connecting to the real nerds is so easy. You can go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can like us on Facebook. We have a Twitter account, at Real Nerds. We also have Instagram. You can call us, 720-6Nerds5. You want to email us? You can do that, too, realnerds at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Podcast unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2017. Uh, I am a host, James. Uh, Ryan's not here. Woo! Ryan's not here. <laughs> uh, for like the first time in I don't know two years, something like it's that. It's been a while. Probably since he had his kid. Yeah, he took that month off. Yeah, probably. It's been a long stretch. Yeah. He's off. I don't know, celebrating America or some shit. Yeah. Um. So we're here, Brad and I. That's right. Um, I'm Brad. Yeah, you're Brad. Uh, and Dan's here. My my roommate Dan. Hi Dan. Hey, how, how you doing, Dan? Fantastic. What's going on? Uh, not, not I don't know. So the same stuff as as always. So yep. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna talk about uh, some movies, and we're gonna talk about other stuff and things that are going on, and you know all the stuff that we do every week, only without Ryan, uh, which is honestly just fine. Cause fuck him. Like he's not even gonna listen to this episode yeah, anyway. Fuck him. He only does this so he can listen to himself talk. So yeah. Um, What's he doing today? Uh, it's like a family reunion thing, and then it, well, it's Fourth of July weekend, right? So like sure. everybody's going off and getting drunk, and uh, between that and his his crazy work schedule of working midnights and then having a wife and kid, uh, it, it was just tough to strategize a time. Um, sure. So we just threw it together at the last minute. Um, so anyway, uh, this week we went and saw, or at least Brad and I went and saw uh, the BFG, um, which stands for the Big Fucking Gun uh, or the Big Friendly Giant. And uh, and then we also, he and I both went and saw Neon Demon. Uh, so we're going to do a review of both of those movies uh, at the end of the show. So we'll we'll tell you whether or not you should see them, and then we'll play the trailer, and then we'll talk about them. Uh, I think for Neon Demon, you we will talk about it for a little while, and then after that, we will spoil the shit out of that movie. So just be careful. Um, I don't think there's really anything to spoil on the BFG, though. Anyway, uh, let's get into what we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Dan, what have you been watching? Uh, so, about 10 to 15, probably 15 minutes ago at this point, just finished watching Star Trek Voyager. I mean, like, like finished the series 15 minutes ago. For the first time? Yes. You did not watch it uh, nope. in the 90s when, when the rest of us did? Nope. Awesome. Uh, I was too busy in the 90s watching reruns of Next Generation. Uh, <laughs> so. Nice. Weird. Uh, so, yeah, so what is your background on Star Trek before you watched the the Voyager show? Uh, grew up watching Next Generation. Awesome. And it was great. And then maybe five years ago, decided I had to sit down and just watch all of Next Gen, and I did. And then since then, I've done that like three times, probably. Yeah. Uh, tried to watch DS9, got like halfway through it, and it was just too much. Yeah. Or too little at You're the same like, time. Oh. I don't, like I don't even know. Like I mean, like God bless them, whatever. Just not for me. These Bajorans are the worst. I, I felt got really good, like season six and seven, like just before it ended. I yeah. I like um, Odo. I like Quark. I like 
Cork? Cork. 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 The Ferengi. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cork. Yeah. That runs like the bar. Yeah. Yeah. I like him just fine. Uh, and then I think I like... Um, oh, O'Brien's on that show. Totally. Yes. Uh, and then I, I don't think I got to the part where Worf comes in. He really? Probably, he probably comes in like season four. Oh, is there? Or so. Oh, or man, five. I feel like he was there longer. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I didn't even get to where he comes in. Or, or I mean, I yeah. I would have enjoyed him just fine. Right. Um, and then, like, I don't know, six to seven months ago, I said, I'm going to watch Voyager. And I sat down and started watching it and basically did enough of it that I just finished it. Seven seasons, yeah. something like whatever seven times 23 or 24 is. That's how many episodes. Yeah. Like that many episodes in like six or seven months because that's a really good show. And I, cool. I was like, I need to keep watching this like just a little bit every week. Yeah. So. Good. How do you, how do you feel about the ending? Uh, just fine. <laughs> yeah. Just fine. Like, yeah. like, like good, but I mean, whatever. I like. Yeah. It, it's sort of like a, hey, 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 we, we're, we're done now. Right. Because yeah. you like. <laughs> Something that that's uh, something that is as like friendly as that show is, right. like welcoming to just anybody that wants to watch it. Like mom can watch that show, and if she has a vague interest in a good story in science and space yeah. and like human relationships and stuff like that, then she'll be into it. And of course, that show at the end of this series, they will do the thing that they're trying to do the whole series. Of course, yeah. one could safely assume, right. Uh, it wasn't really a surprise, but like how they go about it, of course, is like why you should watch it and right. some of the choices. And I mean, that's what Star Trek's all about. It's moral dilemmas and all this like top to bottom. That's that's what the whole show's about. Yeah. Like so, we had talked about this yesterday because you were saying like, yeah, I mean, I know they're gonna make it, and I was like, well, you also should know that because uh, I didn't say this, but the thing that I was hiding from you is that uh, Janeway's in Nemesis. Uh, there's like a there's like a little scene right. where yes, she pops true. up on the screen and she's like I'm uh, I'm in charge of all the shit now because I drove a ship back from where I lost it. Yes. Um. Yeah. And and uh, I mean for, for all the shit that Captain Kirk gets in for like saving the galaxy, like how come she like she loses the ship and flies it across space and like now she's she's the big she's the big man on she's camp. Got big most of people home. Campus. I guess that's true. <laughs> yeah, like you get seventy percent of them or whatever. You know by like. Uh, and there's a curve because she's a woman. Hey, oh, well, (laughs) no, not, not cool. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. I mean, like there's also that she brought all this knowledge of the Delta quadrant and all this other stuff. And there's a, there's a Borg with them or an ex Borg or whatever. Yeah. Um, does, does like, you know, Talaxians and the, whatever the, um, the weird race that just wants to hunt all the time. Yeah. Shit. Uh, the blue people hunter, the hunter guys. The, yeah. f- f- whatever they Andorians. are. Like, yeah. No, I'll look it up. Or I'll look it up, or I just won't give a shit. Whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, she gives a shit. Does Does Seven of Nine hold up? Is she interesting? Or she it... gets better. Yeah. Okay. She was like pretty bad right when they brought her on it for. I mean, yeah. you know, like she cuts herself working on something in the thing or whatever. She's like, I am damaged. It's like fucking no. You're bleeding because you're a human. Like, come on. Uh, <laughs> you, you do know words. Yes. You have a dictionary. Um, but that's. But they actually are able to play against like how robotic and whatever that she is, because you have some of those good episodes where she gets to act like somebody else, yeah. such as the episode where she puts the doctor inside of her brain yeah. or whatever. And then she gets to act like Robert Picardo, also Ricardo. known as the doctor. Ricardo Picardo. <laughs> right. Uh, like that's a really good episode because it's her acting like him. Yeah. Which is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, just things like that. There, there was another good episode. It seems like all the good episodes revolve around the doctor, but there was another good one where, 
it was like four or five before the end where he wrote like a, uh, oh, no, 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 no. It was something else. It was where he, other characters also had to act like him, but as if, as if he was doing really suspicious stuff because he was in the story, he was turning into all these other characters on the show to uh, like yeah, right. sneak around and do a thing. Yeah. Uh, and so you have like Chakotay trying to act like a really suspicious version of that guy right. as if he is stuck in Chakotay's body. Yeah. Like right. convoluted, but a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, one of the things I like about that show is like, uh, I feel like in some of the other shows, uh, they there's like this direct like oh okay this this is the data of the well because data is the spock of next gen and then you know but with 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 voyager you had between the doctor and seven you got some of that like here's people who kind like are at least dealing with this idea of not being human but it's not the it's not this direct like oh okay hey this is the part where you get that you know that theme sure um i think most of the characters other than Balana, who I always hated, um, she she was okay. Yeah. She she gets better early on when she's just angry all the time. I'm like, you are annoying as hell. Like I don't I don't care about you at all. Uh, and then you know, she gets with Tom and he sets her straight. I'm not <laughs> that's I'm terrible. Not even gonna comment on that. Like that's <laughs> whatever. Um, but yeah, cool. So you liked it? Oh yeah, yeah. Would you recommend it to people who like Star Trek? Totally. Okay. Just cool. I don't know. Do you want more of a thing and you're willing to like invest time and learn all all these new characters and be told this new through line from season one all the way through seven seasons later? Right. And if you're re- ready and willing to accept Lord Savior Voyager into your life, then go ahead and do it. Because <laughs> um, that's a, I'm, I don't know, it's a pretty big like to recommend a seven season thing yeah. to somebody is a big thing to ask. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, totally. Like it's, right. I mean, whatever. Like I enjoyed it a hell of a lot more than I enjoyed anything in DS9 for the, again, like half of that show that I watched or whatever. Yeah. Right. Probably like three seasons. Cool. So anything else you watched lately? Uh, that's kind of it. We saw Warcraft uh, like three, four weeks ago. That was like fun, but I don't really know who that movie's for, but God bless them for trying. And, and <laughs> I mean, I'm probably sounding like a complete ass right now, but I mean, I don't know. Like there were just bits in that movie, like, like the second title card right at the end. Like we were laughing at it because it was <laughs> right. so out of place. Where they, like, where just they just take like that. the original title card and right. play it again. Just, uh, like, did they mess again. up? Did they not right click delete on this or what, uh, whatever? They just know um, that China don't care. So <laughs> it's like, I, yeah, like that you know, movie will make all the money, and, and it has made all the money. And you know, if they want to move forward with doing something, they probably have all the reason to do it now because they yep. have made their money back and then some. And yeah. if they can do another cool Warcraft thing or a Starcraft thing or maybe just some original Blizzard thing, yeah, maybe they could do a really cool thing. Go make a Starcraft movie. And I was still super happy to go watch this Warcraft movie. So, yeah. you know, cool. it's been a long time coming, and and now that it's done, I should have known that this is exactly how we would have felt about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Absolutely, but whatever. So. It, it's basically exactly as bad as I was afraid it would be. So yeah, yeah. I, it, like they tried to do as much as they could to accommodate like your girlfriend going to see it or your wife or whatever because because that that like that's the problem and I'm putting problem in air quotes that people always talk about with this kind of I stuff. It's like how are they going to dumb it down so anybody can go watch it? I desperately need somebody who doesn't know Starcraft to see this movie and talk to me about it because I don't actually think that's true. I I, th- I think that if you don't know Starcraft, I think you watch that movie and you're like what the fuck is going on? Starcraft? Like, Warcraft. I I said Starcraft. Uh, uh I, yeah, I feel like if you don't know Warcraft, you go to, you go to that movie and you're like what what is all this shit? These big guys, these big orc guys are cool, but what is happening? I mean, like I 
for the most part knew what was happening and I was still like, right. wait and wait, who? I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, Especially because some of it is wrong. So like Sargeras shows up at the end and you're like, that's not what he looks, that's not right at all. And, but they also don't say it's whatever. It's weird. Sure. Yeah. Anyway. I, I, st- I mean, I still had a lot of fun with it. The dude that played, yeah. uh, what's his name? The orc man. No, the main human. Oh, the Viking. Uh, it, Lane? he's from Vikings. Lane? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. he, like he was fun. Yeah. Lothar. Like, like some good, yeah. Lothar. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, like some good jokes and bits with him and like huh? things that he does to people. There's one time where he juggles a sword while jumping out of a window onto a griffin which was also in the trailer, and yes. that happens in the movie. Mm-hmm. So if you want to see that on a bigger screen, sure. then there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Awesome. So, I mean, I don't know. That's pretty much it recently. It. I've been meaning to go see some of these movies with you guys, but I didn't go see Yeah, them. but you, you keep flaking out not doing it. Anything from the past couple of weeks. Um, Piece of shit. Yeah. yeah, I know. I'm kind of the worst. Well, maybe none of it's been any good. Brad, what have you seen lately? Uh, a lot. Oh, um, bitch. <laughs> Yeah, you walked into this, this is, minefield. This is, this is why Ryan's <laughs> not here this week. Fuck. No one to keep me in line. <laughs> uh, so last night I saw Raiders, the uh, uh, greatest the... fan film ever made. The story of the greatest fan film ever made. I didn't, I didn't actually watch the greatest you film. Didn't, oh, so you didn't see Raiders, the abbreviation for Of the Lost Ark. Right. Okay, all right. I watched the story of the guys who made... The film. I think the night before they actually had the film as a double feature with the real Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. Like the underground film that they made. Okay. I know what you're actually saying, yeah. but okay. So what you mean is that they had showed Raiders, the fan film, the adaptation, like the made the adaptation made by some kids. Yeah. Uh, over like a span of ten years or something like that. Seven. Um, yeah, seven years. Well, I guess now thirty-five, but yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. However long it took them to actually construct, like, make all the scenes. Basically, the story is some kids, when they were, you know, 10 or something like that, decided they were going to reshoot shot for shot Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yep. Um, Basically, like, sweeting the film, if you will. Over seven summers. Yeah. Yeah. Is is uh, that, like, this is a real thing? I've never heard of this. Yes, this is a real thing. Uh, These kids did that. Okay. Um, And then it, it came out, I don't know, five or six years ago, like people started hearing about this thing. Yeah. And they, they at, made this documentary about at it. The button Amazon, like Eli yes. Roth got a hold of the tape somehow. And then he yes. submitted it to Harry Knowles and then he programmed it. Uh, it was like 2002. Cause they're about to show the big part of the documentary is that they, uh, the, the two towers is going to screen before it comes out, uh, for everyone else at this, uh, film festival. And so early in the morning, they just throw on this Raiders, uh, adaptation by these kids and like everyone's enthralled with it and when they cut it off before it ends like the crowd goes nuts and says you know you know how dare you show us peter jackson's two towers early we want to see the rest of this t- horrible fan film so weird yeah like, is that a thing that people can just go seek out and watch now i think it's on their i haven't gotten their website yet but anyway huh. I, yeah uh yeah. on the and it it, th- it huh? tours around like you it'll it pops up every now and then it like yeah. You know. But, like, it was Friday night, I was looking at Showtimes and stuff, and so they had a Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, Steven Spielberg, paired with, I don't know if it was this documentary or that film. Oh, okay. But I saw, last night, the documentary that Drafthouse made about the making of that film. Right. Which is titled Raiders. Raiders. Right. The story of the greatest fan film ever made. Right. Cool. Yeah. So, how was Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made, the documentary about the movie, how was that movie? It was all right. <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's it's not 
terribly compelling, like the three guys that it's about. Um, like other than that, they make this movie. There's not real draw. Like, is it actually that what you know, they did? While while what they did is fun to watch, what they did isn't actually interesting or challenging. Like, uh, there's not actually a lot of conflict there. It's not. I, I, I don't, it's not terribly special because they don't really delve into the making of the movie that much as is it is about their lives individually. So oh, okay. like the biggest points they hit are that like one of the three is kind of a weirdo. Like he's really into special effects and props and he's very eccentric. Duh. Um, and that is off putting to the other two. So, you know, over the, the, t- <laughs> the 35 <laughs> years they've grown apart because like, you know, while that one guy thought he was friends with the other two, the other two in their interviews make it seem like he was just there to fill what they needed to get the, the oh, movie done. Okay. Oh, okay. I see. So like growing up, he thought he was part of this trio and the guy who even, and the guy who started it turns out to be kind of a dick. <laughs> so Aww. the guy in, who actually plays like Indiana Jones in the, in the fan film. Yeah. Like he spirals into like drugs and alcohol and meth. This is like a rock and roll story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, He's basically Bon Jovi. Yeah, at one point he tries to date the other guy's girlfriend at the time or yeah. something. Um, and he, he doesn't really get anywhere. He just does it to piss him off. Like, he just invites her over to, like, screw with him. So he's just being an asshole. Yeah. Uh, so eventually he's like, man, I don't really like these guys. Huh. <laughs> like, cool, they did a shot-for-shot remake of Rears, but they're, you know, some Wait, of them are not that... fuck these kids. Yeah. They're all garbage. <laughs> and fuck them. Uh, wow. And they, like, allude to... The, the interesting part was the documentary kind of uh, associates their willingness to make this so meticulously. Yeah. Um, is because of, like, their broken families. Like, the main guy who got into drugs and stuff, like, um, he had an abusive stepfather and... Stu- and uh, um, and then halfway through filming, like, the other kid's family divorced... Um, and uh, I think his, so his mom had to go like live in poverty with him. And so they had this huge house with like no furniture and stuff in it. Like she was just basically buying food. Like yeah. that's all she could afford. And so the ability to have this like empty house that's falling apart was like the perfect soundstage for this movie for them. Hmm. Um, and uh, they didn't really touch on the family of the third guy who was the big special effects wizard. Yeah. Um, and then as the whole documentary is explaining, uh, them going through uh, their life um, is interspersed with scenes of the last scene that they were recreating. So they finished the movie years ago, except for the giant plane, the Nazi plane where he fights the big, the, the strong, flying wing, the flying wing. Sequence, yeah. yeah. Uh, so they did the whole movie except for that part. And so when the movie starts, cause that would arguably be like probably the hardest thing to recreate. Well, the, the, and then the movie, the special effects weirdo is like, you know, I've been for years telling them just do miniatures. Like, yeah, it's not like we're making Citizen Kane here. <laughs> uh, we already know the movie shit. Let's yeah. just go the full way. But no, instead the other two guys are, the movie starts with them going to like uh, a wealthy person's house and just kind of crowdsourcing just gift money. Like, Hey, we just fund our dream, please. And because- they're looking for like $20,000. To do, to, like, is there a place where you can rent? Hey, hey no. come stand next well, to this flying wing for a they while. They were going to spend like forty thousand dollars to go rent planes for it, but then they met this metalsmith who's like, "Dude, I can make you three planes for forty thousand dollars." So he built one for a third of that cost. So he built a fake flying wing. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's as accurate as they can be. Sure, uh, but it's a big metal, like full sized bomber plane. So by by the time the kids make that sequence of the movie, though, how old are they? They're like in their forties. 
Oh, like, so, this is recent. Okay, so most of the movie was unfinished until like it yeah. became popular, and they were like, "Hey, we got to go back and we got to do the flying wing sequence." Yeah, once they did their Kickstarter. And so stuff there's this and... awkward part of the movie where all of a sudden these kids are 40 years old, <laughs> and well, no, it's like that's like the button, like that's the the book ending. Well, in, in between well, I mean, all the it, interviews are like them as forty-year-olds, like sorry, they're looking back. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you watch the actual fan film, the yeah. actual re- reenactment, yeah, there's so this awkward section to... where, like, uh, you know, he and Marion get out of the the cave, and they're forty years old. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, that's but that's the, that's probably the it's, most amazing <laughs> part of the movie, though, is because they don't show you the film, right? Like, they just show you like little snippets of like the blood right. rolling, like little snippets of the film. But and then they're showing you the making of this final scene periodically, and it's going horribly because I think they live in Mississippi and it's like raining nine out of ten days. Ugh. And then the one guy who actually has like this big corporate gaming job, yeah, he works for a games company. Um, like they're on their last rope with him, like as far as taking time off for this, uh-huh. and so he like has to beg for two more days because they've been rained out. And like that's the big dramatic hook, like towards the end of the movie, is like, are, yeah, does, do they have to go home and give up? Yeah, uh, and spend all this money and get, not get what they wanted. And luckily, he gets it. Uh, but at the very end of the movie, they show you the whole scene that they were shooting this whole time. So like the original cuts of Raiders of the Lost Ark are on the bottom, and then oh. what they shot is on top, and they are pretty close. Wow! Like they, like That's they, cool. they've got like the like this big bald guy who like looks like the original guy. And then the, the tomb that they push out of the blocks, like those look real and they have a tanker that explodes. And Oh, so wow. the most amazing part of the movie is when they actually blow up the bomber that they made. Yeah. So I have this plan to like trigger it. Um, and the, 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 the truck next to it goes up and then there's nothing. And they're like, shit. So we either have to wait half an hour. And so they send them like the, explosives guy in to go check on it and then the bottom half of the bomber goes off but that's not like all the explosives so he's like shit okay everyone stay back I'm going to re-rig it um, and I, th- I think the bottom part blew all the wires so the top part's fine oh, okay and then they're walking around and this is like <sighs> no cuts like he gets under the wing and then boom he gets blown back <gasps> away from the bomber Holy and like medical shit. crews rush in and yeah, but he's okay. He's okay. Yeah, yeah. he uh, just got a little shock. Yeah, but, um, yeah. but to... at first it looked like he got shrapnel like into his chest. Like that's how violent wow. it looked. Yeah, man. And this really happened. Like every, all the family and they're up on this hill, far away from the blast zone, and there's uh, people are freaking out. Oh, it's like shit. holy shit! That's like, about, like that's delayed insane. explosions, and the guy that has to go in like 30 minutes later or hours later to go check, like to go make sure that the wires are still connected or whatever. I don't know how yeah. a bomb works. Yeah. Um, Which, like, that, like, that's going to be the most terrifying thing. If you, if you know that, it, like, it, there's a chance it will go off while you're on there, like, this guy was not wearing anything protective. Right. Which is the stupidest. Yeah, he wasn't the hurt locker. Like, if, if he planned, like, okay, we're going to rig this, it's going to go off, and but if there's a chance that it won't, I will have gear to my left to throw on and then go down there. But no, he just, it's like, oh, I'm going to go peek around and... In my T-shirt, yeah, right. and sunglasses, yeah, like that's that's insane. Like the minute that doesn't go perfectly, you're like, okay, bring in the titanium suit of armor because yeah, I gotta go detonate this thing. Yeah, so that was crazy. But it, as far as like making like Draft House making a documentary of this, like how I mean, I don't want to say lucky they are to have like that, like that turn of events in their, like at first it was okay, but then it was like, wow, that's, 
I did not see that coming. Yeah. Like this documentary just got infinitely more interesting. <laughs> it's um, like a, it's like watching NASCAR. Like it's just like this, is, re- this is really boring, and then yeah. somebody explodes. You're like, oh, all right, okay, now yeah. I'm now a minute. So yeah, and then yeah, so they finish that part of the film, and that's it. Just kind of ends there. Like uh, yeah. you know, it just says like after 35 years, it's all done, and uh, they. The guy who worked for the games company resigned, and they formed Rolling Boulder Films. Oh no! Together, um, yeah. <laughs> so now, now they're now like, they're just. I get it. That's a reference to Raiders of the Lost Ark, a film. Oh yes, my God! Now right. I've got it. Uh, you said it. Yeah. yeah. On it. So are are they just gonna are, are they gonna go like I'm give curious, money like, to a bunch of other kids to Swede films? I think like, well that's and, a, that's a cool idea. That's like a legit cool idea. Yeah, I yeah. think so. You know, they they go but I but it sounds like these guys are all assholes, so I don't necessarily <laughs> I mean, want my kids to work with them. Well, like you you know, money spends all the same if it's, you know, if it comes from an asshole or no, like a nice person or It kind of doesn't. If if I don't know where the money comes from, plausible wow. deniability, James. Wow. Like that's what we're talking about. Man, here. I'll go make a shitty Temple of Doom and Hey, Kalima, and I'll make it with friends or whatever. Like it'll be fine. And then if the money just comes from wherever, if it just shows up. Just here's money. Yeah, you re- you remember that bag of diamonds I gave you? You want to know how many people died to to bring you those diamonds? I don't. I'm just, I'm just right. You do don't, not want to know. Don't that. want to know. Yeah, just don't tell uh, me anything. Just I'm, give me the money. I'm really curious to figure out what they're gonna do as a film company because obviously yeah. they don't make great films, <laughs> and they're past their prime. Um, right, yeah. Like here's here's some guys who don't actually know anything about making movies. And they've never shown at least the documentary doesn't show them showing any interest in any other movies but Raiders of the Lost Ark. Not yeah. even like the sequels. Yeah. Like at one point they go see Ra- or Last Crusade and that like brings them back together. Oh, okay. Um after their friendship is fractured. But other than that, I'm like, what do you guys have other scripts? Like do you have original work? Like <laughs> Doesn't seem like you would. <laughs> that movie would be hard. Like, if you gave me all the same resources and money that um, Last Crusade cost, and said go shoot that movie again, I would tell you, like, I gotta like make a guy like almost die in between the tank and the cliff, and I gotta ask all these people to do all this other shit, like all these stunts and all this whatever. Like, you're insane. Like, yeah. that, that movie's cool. That movie's really good. It's really good. So yeah. yeah. It, it, yeah. It's like, you know, like I was, I referenced it the other day to somebody. Somebody said, like, handed me a, something, and I said, no ticket. So that was a stellar, that was a number one reference right there. Yeah, that's not in I'll shut up now, I'm sorry. Uh, the original Raiders, like, cost $20 million, Yeah, man. Like, back in 1981. Awesome. That's yeah. crazy to think about. Yeah. That's like, a lot of, it's a lot of math. It's way more thrilling like, than oh, yeah. modern movies. Uh-huh. Um... With hundred fifty million dollar budgets, I know I keep seeing Frank Marshall like pop up. Like he 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 does like interviews. Like for the BFG, he was doing some of the mar- some of the marketing for that. And I was like, this is or and he was at he was at E three. Um, oh, is that who that was that you were all excited Creed. about? Yeah, like yeah. We're, we're sitting watching some uh, watching the Ubisoft E three press conference like a few weeks ago. Yeah, and there's and like all these jackholes coming out onto the t- st- stage that nobody cares about. And then like here's Frank Marshall, and no one in the audience cares. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, you don't was, understand who this guy is. What was it? Oh, the uh, Assassin's Creed movie. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, Frank Marshall, this man who I have no idea who. Yeah, it is. he directed arguably the greatest action scene of all time. Comes out, and James is like shitting his pants. He's so excited. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, you know, like I don't know why great. he's talking about Assassin's. I mean, I get he's a producer on Assassin's Creed, right. but I'm like, why is he out in the in the limelight now? Like. I don't know. Well, and, and like people seemed to like some people seemed to know who it was besides yeah. you also like you know the call me mainstream or whatever. I I, I don't know who Frank Marshall is. Right. Yeah. Um. But he directed you know. the truck chase. So 
Um, which these kids duplicated very unsafely. <laughs> oh, oh, I bet. <laughs> like, they're actually hanging onto the front of that truck, so, dragging under. Oh. Honestly, like, this, you describing this documentary makes it sound like watching the documentary will ruin the fan film. Like... Maybe. I, I've never seen the fan film. Oh, okay, so. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, I feel like I did. <laughs> like, like, how long were they working on this thing? Seven years. For seven well, years. Well, seven summers. And, and well, and then a a sequence that they filmed yeah. when they were forty, right? Okay, because that that's what I'm getting at. Yes. So they, they took a long hiatus because of this one yes. scene that they, they financially they, couldn't they, reproduce. Well, yes, they, they finished it like they put it on a tape and then gave it to their friends without that scene. Yeah, okay. and that's like what Eli Roth watched. Was that version? And they were children when they did the majority of it. Yeah, so yeah. Well, it's somewhere between the ages of eleven and nineteen. So it's all these people with like squeaking voices saying all the lines that yeah. are. Yes. Don't look at it, Mary. Well, and they they do it chronologically, don't they? Or for the most part, so they they get older as the movie goes. Well, yeah. I yeah. mean, I don't know. I think they okay. shot certain sequence like out of sequence, so it's oh, okay. probably like. They're young and old and young and old as it goes through, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I haven't watched it. Perfect. And they also said, like, it's a shot-for-shot shot thing, but at the Buttonumathon, they said it lasted 35 minutes. So I'm like... What? Huh. Like, even without the plane scene, that's right. still got to be an hour. Maybe they couldn't get a girl to do it with them, so they were like, no. well, all the scenes with Marion, <laughs> we just have to cut those out. No, they had a Marion. Okay. Like, she's in the documentary. Huh. Yeah. Did they do the, like, the kissy scene? Where mm-hmm. they... Oh, that's It was adorable. the one guy's first kiss oh. ever. That's so film. cute. Yeah. Aw. Then he points at his lips. It's really good. It's a great scene. That's a great movie. Yeah, and actually, this like the set was just the bedroom of I think Eric's house or something. <laughs> and then, uh, hey, where do you, where do you want to film this kiss? In my bed. Yeah. My parents are gone tonight. <laughs> right. Like exactly. But right. like the set for like they set up was actually. For a minute there, I thought like that looks like the uh, the cabin <laughs> yeah. of the ship. <laughs> his bedroom looked like a submarine. Like if you look at it closely. You'll you'll like okay that's not it but like just generally it's like that looks like that scene is framed and shot very similarly. I don't yeah. think I've seen Raiders in like 15 years. Really? So yeah. It's, you it's live with this while. guy? <laughs> what the fuck? We are have we the doing? Po- the poster sits right above the TV. I see it every time I sit down to play you know Rocket League or whatever. So. Yeah. So why? How come not every time you go? Oh, I could be doing something better with my time. I have I a lot of movies to watch right now. Watching Raiders. Well, yeah. You should so. totally watch Wrath of Khan. I we'll we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, like now that, again now that Voyager's yep. out of out of my way. Yep. Again, enjo- really enjoyed it, but now that it's done, yeah, I can finally like if I'm if I'm actually going to do anything else with Star Trek right now, I'm going to sit down and watch Wrath of Khan, yeah. and then I'm going to watch Into Darkness, which I still haven't seen yet, so that I can watch yeah. uh, the new one coming up. Right, and then you'll watch four, and then you'll watch six, or maybe I'll just do what I want and start next gen over again. I'm yeah. gonna fight you. So anyway, what else have you been watching, Brad? Um, the other thing <laughs> I want. You said you had a lot, and we've crossed off one, one thing. Yeah. Well, one of them is like I think we're gonna share it later. So. Oh for oh yeah 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 yeah. Uh, but I did catch a drive-in screening of Central Intelligence. <gasps> is it good? Uh-oh. If you cut out Kevin Hart, would it be good? Probably. Okay. What's, right. what's wrong with Kevin Hart? Uh, he's not funny. I don't like. I he's I don't... like the wet blanket of of. I don't know. He he's very he's very like family friendly. Not very interesting. Like the trailers look like The Rock is awesome in this movie. The The Rock is just awesome. Period. Yeah, he's, he's doing his best with what he has. Yeah. Uh, um, for this movie, and I. Kevin's heart, I wouldn't say, is bad either. It's just the 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 script is just kind of bland. Yeah, like there's not much to work with. They him him and The Rock do their best, but I don't think I laughed once. Like, 
Um, especially like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think even like I, I even I, laughed once at the trailer for Storks. So <laughs> that's pretty yeah. awful. Like, I don't I think mean, I even like, chuckled in my head. If at it's all. like a comedy, that's like a, it's like the worst thing you could say about it. Yeah. C- uh, I feel bad. I know, I know a lot of work goes into these things, but <laughs> the story is just, the I, guess, rock, I know somebody tried. The rock is, it, it starts in high school, so there's like a young Kevin Hart, and uh, then The Rock is this social outcast. He, he's, and no, he's a CG balloon. He's a CG balloon. He's singing naked in the sh- in the the high school showers. Yeah, that part of the trailer is awful. And then a bunch of like jocks come in and shame him, and then um, young Kevin Hart is like this 4.0 grade average, pop, most popular kid in school prom king guy. They're doing their I forget what the like the end of the year assembly is called. Uh, prom, I think. I don't just know. Prom I assembly? No. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I have no idea. Yeah. Gra- graduation. Graduate. Farewell ceremony sure. thing. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Like K- not graduating, but cotillion. Please. <laughs> Shindig. Yeah. Um. So he's given a speech, and then the jocks bring out naked balloon version of the rock and, they, and dump and, him on the basketball court in front of everybody. And he floats up into the ceiling and pops. <laughs> He looks terrible. It's well, so, it's so bad. It looks just, pretty bad. Well, it's just like it's his real face on a CGI balloon. It's right. just like how <laughs> it's not convincing. Right. I don't um, think we, it's, it's supposed to be that he's super fat. He's also also shorter, so I don't know like how <laughs> working out makes you taller <laughs> later. Right. I, a human growth hormone. Yeah. I, it's a comedy, whatever. And so is it? while the whole school is laughing at him, um, Kevin young Kevin Hart gives him his letter jacket to cover up and then he's like thank you like you're the only person being nice to me and then fast forward a bunch of years later kevin hart has (laughs) peaked in high school he's just in some financial job regretting his life um and then meanwhile which which is an insult to financial people everywhere yeah um and then i forget i kind of nodded off a little bit towards this part (laughs) but uh the rock comes back into his life it's just like hey buddy let's catch up i missed you all these years um you know, you were the only person who was nice to me in high school. I want to, you know, reconnect. And then, um, suddenly the FBI's after them. Okay. He, he won't explain to Kevin Hart why. Um, and then you find out Amy Ryan's the FBI agent. Uh, from their point of view, uh, The Rock is actually one of their agents who killed his partner and has gone rogue to find these codes to these weapons. So they're. They're FBI agents? FBI, FCIA, one of those oh, government okay. agencies. Okay, okay, right. okay. The, the movie being called Central Intelligence. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's why I was confused. Because uh, if, you, if you told it me... It makes was, so much more sense if now. If you told me it was FBI, I was going to be like, this is stupid. Federal Bureau of Intelligence. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, no, so the CIA good. is trying to track him down, and then... Um, so Kevin Hart's getting misinformation, like... The Rock's telling him that uh, he needs Kevin Hart's abilities as a financial transaction guy to get the codes he needs so that he can stop the dealers from getting a hold of these weapons. Uh, But then the CIA is saying, like, hey, Kevin Hart, don't do that. He's this uh, operative. He's a rogue agent. Who's actually called, I think, the Black Badger is what they called him. Something Badger, not Honey Badger. That's a joke for later. (laughs) Oh, oh no! Yeah, uh, the Black oh. Badger. Um, 
no one knows who the Black Badger is, so sometimes they allude, to, they make it look like the Amy Ryan, the CIA agent, is actually like the evidence points to her as being the Black Badger, or it could be the Rock. Um, but it end up, it kind of ends up being Aaron Paul, his partner that he, who died, he oh, comes oh, back from the dead. So it's Goldeneye. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, so that's that's the whole story. It's really like just this <laughs> cat and mouse game of like, is the yeah. Rock because the Rock's character is a little like goofy yeah like he's kind of operating at a different like he's not really connecting with people and that that's when it's the like jokes, socially awkward that's when the jokes happen supposedly yeah when did, the, when did the jokes happen is the, is the misinformation right. that's where the jokes come from okay it, yeah the the like the reason that i did not want to see central intelligence had little to do with the trailer and mostly to do with the name of it because i have this weird thing where okay like i'm watching a trailer for a movie and it's about like it's like a buddy cop CIA. We got to go do a crime. There's a thing or whatever. We got to stop a thing and we got to get like the cop and this dude together. And they're going to go stop the thing. And it's called central intelligence. Like it, it could just be any two words. And that's the name of the movie, like cop out or any of those movies. Well, well I thought you know, and central and, intelligence is supposed to be like a play on like all yeah. the characters are stupid, but right. like none of the characters are really complete idiots. Yeah. It's just a lot of like, I don't trust this guy and he's kind of a weirdo. I agree with you when the movie is called Spy. Okay. Um, well, Co- Cop Out is a better title than than even both of these. What was the movie we were talking about like yesterday? I don't know. I talk about movies constantly. It was from like 2000. 2000- I talked about every movie in the last 24 hours. It was from like 2001. And it was like like Buddy Cop, like Showtime? something with drugs, <laughs> something Showtime. with like, no. Oh my um, gosh. Like, like whatever the comedians at the time were in 2001. I spy? No shit. I don't like know. just whatever. I mean, like I don't know. Like like I saw Blue Streak. Like Blue Streak is a Blue, yeah. Is, Blue I like that. Fun. Blue Streak. I like that movie. movie more than I probably should. No, no. Uh, but, a, de- a decent amount. People, human beings should like Blue Streak. A decent level, a fair level. It's it, it, like that is a that is a fine. It's okay. Picture. A lot of these are forgettable. Yeah. Right. Right. I, I mean, I don't Blue know. Blue Streak like, is the same movie as all of these other movies we've mentioned. Like, I bet Keanu had a lot of the things that this movie wanted to Hollywood think. Hollywood Homicide? Like, no. Uh, no, it wasn't Hollywood Homicide. But something like Keanu, no. where, Keanu's like... Keanu's not the same thing. But, I mean, like, just, again, from a distance, I'm like, okay, it's like a movie, like, with, like, two main characters, and they're, like, gonna go do a thing, and they're gonna get vaguely involved in, like, the crime world or something that they're not actually a part of. Yeah, but uh, Ke- Keanu is closer to a parody of those things than... Than, okay. than this is. Okay. I mean, this sounds like exactly what I feel like Keanu is poking fun at when it, like, has them walk into their next-door neighbor drug dealer's house and, like, you have this ridiculous over-the-top scene. Like, all of that stuff feels to me... Well, or when you meet, like, the two crazy bad guys that are also played by Keanu Peel. Like, some of that stuff just feels like the kind of shit you would see in a Central Intelligence slash Blue Streak slash... But honestly, I feel like Blue Streak is a better movie than what you're describing. I've never um, seen Blue Streak. I don't know. Oh, it's uh, Matthew. I'm, I, I, Matthew Lawrence is a is a burglar, and he drops a diamond into a Martin some, Lawrence. Martin, 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 Martin Lawrence and Luke. Uh, yeah, Math, no, Matt, no, Matthew Lawrence of the Lawrence Brothers. Oh my God! So uh, uh, just picture any buddy cop movie. Um, yeah. Yeah, only okay, more, gotcha. only leaning slowly, slightly more on cop. He, yes. he, he's an ex-criminal. He hit a diamond in a building that was getting constructed. He gets out of jail five years later. goes back, and the building is actually a police station. Now he has to be a cop, so he can find his diamond. Right. And it's actually, like, kind of funny. Yeah, like, at one point, fun. he's driving this RC car around the vents in the police station. It's, like, really dumb. It's less terrible than Black Knight. Anyway, 
Central Intelligence. So should people sleep through Central Intelligence? Yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those, like, it'll probably be on network TV a lot later or, okay. um, yeah, catch <laughs> on Netflix. Okay. Or don't. Or don't. Or, yeah, don't watch it at all. <laughs> or wait for the it's next just, it's one, just one of these. It's just bland, like, yeah. It's too bad because like there's potential for this movie to just surprisingly be the rundown too. Like honestly, anytime you put the rock in a movie that's supposed to be funny but looks a little bit quirky, like my hope is always will will this just be the rundown? And it's it never is. Yeah, I mean, Hmm. yeah, the rocks. I mean, he's entertaining to watch. There's just not really any great jokes to give him. Yeah, like it's really just his acting is like this kind of offbeat character. Okay, gotcha. Probably the best part of the movie. Cool. Cool, cool. Two down. Uh, yeah. So what, what am I missing? I don't know. There was Raiders, a long hmm. We're doing Neon Demon later. Yeah. Um, I mean, I watched Scott Pilgrim a lot. <laughs> just, uh, just on loop. Yeah. Well, I've, I I watched the movie, then I watched uh, like all the special features on the disc, and then I watched because there's like three commentary tracks on it. There's yeah. like one of Simon or Edgar Wright and uh, Bill Pope, the DP. Uh, who's done like Spider-Man and stuff like that? Um, and then the second one is like Brandon Routh, Mary with Mary Winstead, um, yeah. uh, Scott Pilgrim, Michael Sarah, Michael Lawrence, Michael Sarah, yeah, Michael Lawrence. Uh, and then the third one is Jesse Eisenberg, Anna Kendrick, uh, and then the, like the other Jesse Eisenberg, the other smaller characters. Yeah, right. Is yeah. Anna Kendrick Hill. in that movie? Yeah, hell yeah, she oh. is. Scott Pilgrim's sister. Everyone's in that movie. Yeah. And then Mary Elizabeth Winstead is like the Ramona or whatever. Ramona yeah, flowers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, whatever. I don't know. Um, so yeah, there's like, it's such an extensive DVD. Like on film, like behind yeah. the scenes, they show a lot of like they have these blog diaries of Edgar Wright directing yeah. and stuff, which I thought was awesome to watch back when I started making films with you know at my friends Adam and everybody. Yeah, like. I would say instead of action, I would say go. Yeah. And then in one of the blogs, Edgar writes like, "Action's like two syllables. Like go is just way more efficient." Yeah. So he just tells everyone to go. I'm like, yes, I was ahead of the curve. <laughs> Not the only one. Yeah. Yeah. So like I've gotten away from that, like trying to be professional and shit, saying action. But I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go back to saying go. Yeah. Yeah. It's way simpler. Do what you do. Yeah. I remember there was a um, there was like a thing that happened when they were making that movie where because. Because it was like it was a movie that it was the first Edgar Wright movie that didn't have Simon Pegg and Nick Frost on it. Uh, so there was this thing where they were like throwing a frisbee back and forth yeah, from movie to movie. Do you remember from, that from that their movie from that to, to Paul? Paul. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That was funny. So anyway. but you got to watch the Paul disc to see where the frisbee ends, goes because he yeah. just throws it and then the, the blog ends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's just I, I was so impressed with how extensive it is. Like all yeah all the special effects and green screen they do and like how they do it and. Um, yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah. All the training that they did leading up to it. It is dense in the way that that dense. movie is dense. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and all, like, all, all this like inspiration for... And then there's like even a like a text track of all all the the nods to things. Oh, really? Uh, like, you know, this... There's like each of the um, evil exes has like a number... Like what number they are in the sequence yeah. embedded in their like shirts and on walls and stuff. And yeah. like, they recreated like this uh, London dive club uh, so accurately that people thought they were actually there and it doesn't exist anymore. Hmm. Like just, it's so dense. Like oh, that's cool. What's, what I love about Edgar Wright stuff is like all of his movies, like 
everything in his budget. Like I know he wishes he had bigger budgets, but like you, you get your money's worth when yeah. you pay or you're right to Every, make a film. Everything has a purpose. Yeah. Right. yeah. Everything is so thought out. Cool. Very cool. Anything yeah. else? And that's it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, hey, James Hart. What? What the things have you been watching lately? <laughs> what? Uh, mm. So a couple of things, if I can remember right. Uh, or is there just really one to talk about? Uh, anyway, so I went and saw The Free State of Jones, which is the Matthew McConaughey film in which he saves black people from slavery. What's up with that uh, title? So okay, so it's, I'm guessing he's Jones. No. Oh. Uh, no, so this is actually based on a real piece of history. Uh, and in fact, may, maybe the biggest problem with this movie is that unlike a... You, you could easily take this really cool story and make it into uh, like Bridge of Spies or something like that where like, you know, you're going to mess around with the history some and and uh, structure the film in such a way that you're going to build like this really great, uh, dramatic, thrilling sort of movie. Uh, and they don't do that, uh, which sounds damning, but I actually I actually enjoyed my time with it. Uh, it's it it feels more like a History Channel reenactment sort of a thing, um, but like really high budget. Uh, so, the story of, of Free State of Jones is Matthew McConaughey plays this guy named uh, Her, 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 Herman 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 Stark Herman something something Spark Tony, Sp- Tony Stark Tony, Tony Stark uh, so. Uh, Matthew McConaughey plays Tony Stark, and um, Tony Stark lives in uh, the county of Jones, Jones County in Mississippi. And in that county, uh, so he's it starts off and it's this really great, like Civil War sequence um, that feels very realistic, where he's a he's like a nurse sort of running on the uh, you know he runs and finds like almost dead people and pulls them off of the battlefield, and um, and every time he brings one back, like Is that triage. Yeah, uh, well, I think triage would be, like, the actual doctors. He's not necessarily, he's not, like, cutting off people's limbs. He's just, like... He's a Civil War intern. Yeah, yeah, like, he's he's dressed all in white so that no one will shoot him, and then he runs out there and he grabs bodies and pulls them off and, uh, or, you know, people before their bodies, and then... That's crazy. It's like, you can't get away with that in war these days. Like, like there was an (laughs) etiquette back then of, like, oh, yeah, we're fighting, but... Not those guys. Like they're the enemy, sure. but not specifically right. them. Yeah, I, I know what you're getting. Yeah, yeah. I feel that... like most of the time, if you get like hit or shot or something, now like we're more effective. Whereas these people, like they get like sort sort of gunshot and they're they're wounded, but they're gonna live for a while. But like they're also you have to cut off their leg because no, I'm, t- I'm talking about the the, the doctors. Yeah, like yeah, th- th- they like, have like, there, there aren't there aren't like military. There aren't dudes like that who are who are running around safe because like yeah, because I'm wearing white, so they won't like right. they'll try to avoid me as much as possible. No, like, that's yeah. a well, thing that like there totally was a certain not. honor or understanding to it that in my head, like if it's war, should not. Yeah, exist. I mean, I, I mean, like whatever. I don't know. I mean, there I'm, is a, there I'm there the least did, qualified person in the like, world to talk about this, but right. No, I'm. I'm, like, I'm, I'm I admire that it did because it yeah. would not fly today. There, right. I mean, there there is a sequence in this movie where, like, the gray. Actually, the beginning of the movie, the gray. There's a there's a battalion or whatever of of gray soldiers, southern soldiers, and they're like doing that thing where they're just marching over a hill, and when they get over there, like, there's some northern soldiers, and the northern soldiers just shoot them, and they keep marching, and then they keep getting shot, and you're like, this is fucking stupid, like. Why are you fighting this way? This is like we learned in the Revolutionary War not to do this. Why did you adopt this kind of fight, battle? Um, anyway, so moving on. Um, so 
uh, he ends up finding that like his cousin or, or nephew or somebody has, has been inscripted uh, because everybody in the South is getting inscripted uh, by the, by the Southern army. And, uh, and his cousin ends up getting killed. And it leads to this whole thing of like, he's super pissed because the Southern army is going into these towns and stealing people's food. And they're supposed to like tax everybody 10% so that they can feed the army, but they're taking way more than that. And all the men are getting taken away from the farms. And so there's just these like women and their children who don't have enough food to survive the winter. And like, it's just terrible. So they're acting like the British. Yeah. And they've passed all of these laws saying that like, Oh, well if you own uh, 10 or more slaves, then you no longer have to get concerned or like, you know, the oldest of your, of your sons can go back. Uh, doesn't have to stay in the army. He can go back and help with the farm. Uh, basically the rule was if you are a large plantation owner who makes a lot of money, your kids don't have to go to war. And he's like, this is stupid. Like the, all the poor people are fighting for this war to save the, the, the thing that, the, or oh, the, the economy, <laughs> the economy that these really rich people have, whereas like all the poor people who are fighting in the war don't own any slaves, uh, at least especially in that section of, of Mississippi. Um, so what ends up happening is he um, he runs away uh, in order to bury his his cousin and becomes a, a runaway, and people are looking for him. So he ends up getting like pulled into the Underground Railroad and. Uh, lives in this swamp for like a year or something like that. And during his time there, uh, as the war gets worse and worse, um, the these other soldiers start like joining him out here in the middle of the swamp, these other white soldiers. Uh, and there's a couple of slaves there uh, as well who are runaway slaves uh, that he befriends. And as they do this thing where they, they'll, like, they'll tell this section of the story and then they'll jump forward a year and they'll actually do the thing where they'll give you like some text or they'll show like, black and white still images of the actual war and they'll give you some text saying like you know the war fights on and Sherman does this and right like it feels like a history channel show um interesting but the, but then it goes back to being like this real drama with these really great actors in it having these really wonderful scenes um but it but that that framing for the film really hurts like the pacing and their ability to to build emotion in a, in the right way because it means that like Sometimes there's really slow sections of the movie where not a lot of stuff is happening. The story is really fascinating and it's setting up for stuff later on. Um, but it's not a it's not a super tight script the way that you would expect a a dramatized piece of history to be because it feels like they're way more interested in telling you this real story. Um, as an example for that, there is this incredibly jarring section. Um, maybe 25 minutes into the movie, maybe 20, where all of a sudden it's <laughs> the, the, there's some text pops up and it says 85 years later. I kid you not. It goes 85 years later and we're in a courthouse and there's some dude I've never seen before. And you very quickly learn like, Hey, here's this dude who, I mean, the scene is maybe a minute long. Uh, and just through the people talking, you learn like, okay, this dude is being charged with marrying a white woman, though he appears to be white. Um, oh, and I think in that scene, the guy even says like, he's one sixteenth black and you're like, okay. Um, so we're like in the fifties. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you jump forward to the fifties where this guy is in, is in trouble in Mississippi in Jones County for marrying a white woman. And you're like, what? And then it cuts back. 
And literally, like Zach, I, I went and saw it with Zach Eastman. He turns to me in the movie and goes, did that happen? Like, I think he thought he was high for just a second. He was like, did I just like slip through some dimensional portal? Did to we a... go into a separate movie? Yeah, like all of a sudden it's Mississippi burning and I don't know like where I am. Um, was it just like the most jarring thing in the whole movie? It was super jarring, and like so, like in something that was otherwise really tight and and. Uh, I mean, or... I wouldn't I wouldn't call it otherwise tight, okay. but every all the rest of the scenes are in chronological order. Sure. Um, and this basically what other filmmakers would have done is started in this courtroom and explained that. In this court case, they were retelling this story, but they didn't set that up until 20 minutes in when they all of a sudden jump forward. And I don't want to spoil too much about this because uh, it is a really fascinating piece of history. But basically, that man in the future is um, in some way tied to what happens in Jones County. And so you're you're actually watching this really epic huge piece of history that spans a hundred years or 85 years uh, as this guy fights for, uh, he ends up, so the, the little band of, of guys who, who live in the swamp end up forming a little army, taking over part of Jonestown, uh, of Jones County. In fact, they take over like four counties uh, worth of the South. Um, at the time, they're taking it over for the North because they're like, well, they're our enemies, like they're the, they're the enemy of our enemy, so I guess we're fighting for the North which they're all pretty conflicted about, but they're like, well, none of us own slaves, and this is all about slavery, I guess, so whatever. Um, and the uh, at one point, they they send word to, to Sherman, and Sherman sends word back, like, well, I hear, I hear some guns, but I'm not going to send a lot of cavalry to you because I don't actually think you're in a strategic place. Um, and as a result, they declare independence from everybody and create this thing called the Free State of Jones, mm-hmm. uh, where they have, like, five rules... Um, and it's, it's actually really progressive. And I remember like hearing about this, but it was like a footnote in a history class at some point. And so to hear the full story, uh, especially because one of the things I've left out is that there's this whole subplot where when he runs away, his wife leaves and moves to Georgia with their son. And because she just feels, she feels like abandoned and she doesn't know what to do. And during that, the time, the few years or so that she's away, he falls in love with this this black woman who is uh, who helped him with the uh, as part of the underground slave uh, railroad, and so there's this like bizarre love triangle thing going on that is really a fascinating story, um, and, and I mean you really learn to love this character of, of Tony Stark or whatever his name was, um, I, I I think it's really good. I think it's worth checking out. Uh, it's not necessarily the tightest film I've ever seen, um, but the history itself is so interesting that for me it overshadowed some of the plot problems because um, there's a lot of details and cool characters. There's this guy Moses who's really awesome, uh, who starts off as a slave and is just really progressive. Uh, it tells the story of the first time. Uh, it, I mean, it, it the war ends and it keeps going, and it tells the story about like the first Republican vote in Mississippi. Um, it was, it's absolutely fascinating. Um, so definitely I think worth checking out. Just know that what you're getting into is like a history lesson and not necessarily the best film. Mm -hmm. Um, now I say that just because emotionally it didn't, not everything landed as hard as it could have for me. Like half of the theater was weeping at multiple points of this movie. Um, yeah, like, I mean, there's some really beautiful and very sad moments in the movie. 
Um, so anyway, I, I, I think it was good, and I would I would recommend that people check it out. I guess so. Cool. I'm sitting um, here thinking like, because yeah, part of the Civil War was about slavery, but like the larger picture was that the South, well, the states were tired of Washington telling them how to run their states. Uh, so I'm like. Well, yeah, but the, I mean, the big thing, yes, they said it was, like, states' rights was the argument, yeah. um, but the big thing that pushed it over was that in the North, the, the Northern states to... were, were outlawing slavery, yeah. and even if even if it were, you know... Um, right, but I'm sitting here going, like, okay, well, once, like, the Tony Stark's buddies, like, they defect, yes. and, like, the enemy, I'm trying to think, like, like, they really should be, like, on the North's, like, ticket. Yes. Because that's, like... It's, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, you you have to think in terms of all of the the sort of propaganda at the time and the fact that like the, there is no internet. Like yeah. all they know is the like the hearsay. They don't even know who they're a really man's fighting. Word. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and they've been in the war. Uh, there's a really fascinating scene at the beginning when uh, his when his cousin dies and uh, this guy Will, who ends up being a character through the whole movie, says to Matthew McConaughey, he says, "You know, oh, it's it's okay because he died with honor." And <laughs> With um, with fantastic delivery, McConaughey just says like, "No, he just died," you know. And then that character ends up having a whole arc. The, the character of Will ends up having this whole arc where he he realizes like this this idea that they were fighting for something bigger than than themselves is actually really sort of false. You know, they they were all in this mindset of like, "Oh yeah, we're we're going to war and we're fighting for this big idea." And then you realize like, "No, you're not. Like you're just fighting for rich people." Yeah. Um, because even at the end of the day, like. No one was like so in love with slavery. Like it, it was that the slavery allowed very rich people to be very very rich, um, and then and that was fueled by the the bigotry and and racism and all of that stuff. Um, but if there weren't black people in the world, they would have just been white slaves. Like they they would have found some other argument for why that you could you could crutch that economy up because. When when the U.S. started, it was still it was using you know uh, indentured servants who were you know often white uh, uh, you know criminals from from orphans Europe. Yeah. kids right yeah like child uh, labor yeah like you would go over and to pay for your trip you would spend twenty years of your life as a as a slave and then after the twenty years you were supposed to be free and that whole biz that whole like economy model turned into slavery. Um, I appreciate you not saying business model, even though you started to say it that way. Like, <laughs> did I? Did I? <laughs> it, 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 at least it sounded the way. I mean, like, it, but but right. Yeah, like I mean, that's, it's, that's that's sort of what it is, right? right? Like, exactly. My cost of goods is almost nothing because I don't pay anyone anything, uh-huh. uh, and as a result, my cotton makes Ooh. me amazing margins. Right. Um, yeah, it's, that's what it is. It all actually comes down to money, and it's why this movie is really fascinating because you've got these guys in the South who are who. When that rule passes, where it's like, oh, if you own slaves, you don't have to fight in the war. You're like, wait, but what are we fighting for then? <laughs> We're just fighting for rich people, and that's yeah. not cool. Sure. So, also, uh, Google the dude's name, Newton Knight. Newton Knight, is yes. His name. Right. And then also, I saw that uh, Brendan Gleeson is in this movie. Uh, yes. Mad-Eye Moody? Yes, Mad-Eye Moody, or he's like the general in yeah. like Live, Die, Repeat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That, that dude's cool. I like he him. is in there. So. Um, there's this really amazing, like, sort of sub-villain character that they keep robbing throughout the movie uh, in a very, like, Robin Hood-esque way uh, that then at the end becomes, like, the judge who... Oh, man, I, I don't want to give it all away, but it, it's I think it's a really cool Is it movie. Is Brendan with a great, Gleeson? No, it's not. Okay. 
Uh, it's actually a dude who looks like the dude from Ex Machina, but it's not him. It's a guy that looks like a guy that looks like Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. It's so recursive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I think... I think because of everything else we're reviewing, I think that's actually everything I saw this week. Um, yep. Yep. Only you I know, certainly man. like can't think of anything else. And sometimes I just walk into your bedroom and you're watching a thing that I've never seen. Yeah. And I don't think that happened at all the past like week and a half. Well, I mean, I watched this week's episode of Preacher and it's really good. So, uh, hey, uh, speaking of news, that got uh, renewed. So Yay. anyway, and then uh, hey, while news? I've got a. Uh, yeah, why not? Why not? How about how about we do news? It's real news. Preacher got renewed for a second season. Uh, Yay! Everyone clap. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really good. People should check it out. Um, what 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 else happened this week? Uh, James Cameron said some dumb shit. Uh, yeah, what was that? You mentioned that. this earlier, and I had yeah, no idea. Yeah, because I wasn't going to mention this, because I was like, this is just making more headlines out of something that isn't headlines. Because what, what this is, is somebody was interviewing James Cameron, asked a stupid question, got a canned answer, and then it became like this big headline of, James Cameron didn't think that The Force Awakens was really was very good, and he thought the prequels were better. Which isn't really what he says. What he says is, I'm friends with, with George Lucas, so he puts together like this very political answer sure. about, like, well, I thought that... What he says is something like, I thought that visually, George's you know, version of, of Star Wars, of the Star Wars prequels, were way more interesting right. and original. Like, what's the uh, context in which anyone's asking James Cameron about? Like, because I mean, you I mean, just like, want to make like, a headline. Like, that's all this is. Sure. It's okay. not actually news. Um, other than, I mean, it's the same stupid bullshit that comes out of James Cameron because he doesn't know what he's doing and he makes bad films now. Um, <laughs> so, like, I don't know why I should even care, right? Like, well, you're friends with George Lucas. That doesn't necessarily mean, like, you made Avatar. You don't know anything about making good stories. Like, uh, why would I listen? So, anyway, I wasn't going to talk about it, but then you guys were like, well, yeah, I didn't hear that. So, yeah. You, you brought it up. It's I, really well, something just you just said it. off camera. Yeah, off, I guess off, so. Off mic. Sorry. Not yeah, whatever. Yeah. All right. Fine. Fine. I'll just cut this out. No, I won't. Way to disappoint us. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so there's, I guess, some news that that uh, that um, Pixar is not going to make a lot more sequels. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I, I found that on the internet. Yeah. Other than Incredible Twos. And Toy Story Four, they're not there super was one interested. More. Oh, and Cars Three, yeah, yeah. Um, so those three movies, they're like, okay, we'll do that, and then we're probably not going to touch any of our other movies again. Which that's fine. Yeah, I mean, you just know. for a while or ever. Other than <laughs> until they need more money, right? Like other other than Toy Story and Monsters Universe or Monsters Inc. slash University until like, Condiments bankrupts them or whatever. Like yeah, you know, some well, movie about the ketchup bottle in the fridge yeah. and the secret life it leads. Is that that's got to be a movie, right? Isn't yeah, it? right. Whatever. Um, other, but other than those two franchises, it, like, none of them sausage produced, party. That's already a movie. Yeah, it is. Whoops. Yeah. In fact, uh, this week some theater somewhere showed that trailer in front of Finding Dory. Right. Awesome. Uh, Right, yeah, which was pretty good. <laughs> I saw that too. Yeah, um, yeah and they they publicly apologized for that. So anyway, uh, Andrew, Andrew, yeah, Anna Kendrick might want to be Squirrel Girl, even though Squirrel Girl is not going to be in any of the Marvel movies anytime soon. She uh, could just be Squirrel Girl was, for like for me personally. I was just gonna, whoa. And uh, I was going to say like they should just 
they should go put Squirrel Girl in Deadpool in the next Deadpool movie just so that that can happen. Because uh, I think that would be fantastic. Do you uh, think that's where that would show up if it were to show up? Sure. Something like that, like Why not? your that's where some your dumb... thing that's like connected enough but so disconnected, like Deadpool. Yeah. Either that or like Guardians. If you found a way to just like get, get here's hey Anna Kendrick runs across the screen uh, across the screen in a squirrel costume <laughs> with a squirrel on her shoulder, like that would be pretty great. <laughs> just like pay her the day rate and uh, and put that in a movie. James Gunn could do that. He's insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, or like, you know, someone find you know, somebody gets handed a note and it's like, I found this business card at the bar. And then, you know, it's some note that they need for the story of the movie. But then they flip the business card over and it's Squirrel Girls, like whatever the character's name. I have no idea. Oh, you do it like a you do it like a uh, uh, like an Arrested Development stinger where it's like next time on Deadpool. And then oh. and then like there he is hanging out with Squirrel Girl. And then you never actually put her in a movie. Or, or it's like uh, it's like the end of Fast and the Furious Five, where like they're going through paperwork, and then like there's what's her face that nobody ever wanted in the movie again. Uh, you remember that? Where the Rock is oh. like looking through the paperwork, and there's what's her face. Yeah, what's her name? Yeah, she's Lost terrible. Girl. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like. She's fine. I like her just fine. And she's awful. She's okay. Um, yeah, I'm surprised that you didn't watch the Batman vs Superman thing because that didn't that release on VOD this week. I don't watch movies on digital. I, I wait for the Blu-rays. Okay. Anyway. The, so, the the word of mouth, like I've I've seen a few reviews I've heard it's this great. week. It's ridiculous. Well, it's not like, great, but it's it's definitely vastly improved. Right, as like, I suspected. Because it's also recut in a different order. So like the scenes aren't necessarily even in the same. It's not just like some of the scenes are longer. It's like some of the scenes are in the right place. Is it released cool. on Blu-ray? Uh, so it's on VOD now. Cut? No, it's on VOD now, and then and I think it's two or three weeks. It's like July 16th or something. Yeah. And did you say it's that you had watched it? Because we were talking about this the no, other day. No, I know. I've, right. I've seen a number okay. of reviews of it. Sure. Um, because it's I'm because before I go spend $20 or $24 on this Blu-ray of a movie I don't ever want to watch again, I'd like to make sure that there's a reason for me to do that. Yeah. Um, Every review I've read has been like, wow, I wish this had been the cut in theaters because it explains <laughs> so much. Why um, did I go see that other one? Yeah. I mean, even, I, even one of the reviews is like, I want to apologize this for shitting on Zack Snyder. Yeah. Because like, it, it was clearly Warner Brothers making him cut stuff that yeah. corrupted his vision. So. Which, you know, uh, I just want to say, happens. I told you so, because I've been blaming WB this whole time, because uh, they fuck everything up. Um, so, good luck to Suicide Squad. Uh, anyway. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. It, looks, it looks fun. <laughs> it looks fun. So I don't trust anyone there anymore. <laughs> Uh, at this point, I genuinely, I'm like, that, yeah, yeah. That movie got Will Smith in it. Great, yeah. So does After Earth. So, shit. Yep. So does a lot of things, I guess. I am Legend. So does Seven Pounds. So does Men in Black. So does Wild Wild West. Men in Black's a good movie. So does Independence Day. So Independence. does so does not Independence Day too. Independence Day is great. He's in Independence Day too. He's a picture on a wall. Is he? <laughs> I was going to make that joke, but I don't remember actually seeing his face. When uh, his son goes to the White House, yeah. and he's like staring at the, oh, his you're father's right. painting on the wall oh, okay. before he talks to the president. Huh. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, and the very last thing, which is some really bad news. I guess I should have started with the bad news. Um, so the Cinemark here in Colorado. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I didn't think you were picking up on this. I tweeted I, it, but yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I I knew about it because um, it's really shitty. Uh, so basically, after 
there was the, I don't know if it's technically a class action lawsuit or whatever, but basically the, the, the victims of the, the, or the, the Century scene. 16 shooting yeah. a few years ago. Four years um, ago. Yeah, four years ago, uh, sued Cinemark. Um, and Cinemark won. And as a result, Cinemark then turned around and asked that they have all of their legal fees paid, which comes to the tune of $700,000, uh, which is a little bit salt in the wound, um, to be completely fair. Like, I kind of see where they're coming from, but, like, from a from a business side of, like... From hey, a legal standpoint? Yeah, yeah like, like... Sure? Yeah, like, okay, you... Uh, as, my, as my eyes narrow? Right, yeah. Right. It's one of those things of, like, yes, okay, I, I don't actually think that it's... In, Personally, I don't think that it's the Cinemark's fault that they operated their theater like every other theater in the country and a crazy man walked in who wanted to hurt people and did so. Um, I think it's off. I, I mean, obviously, we've talked about this many times on the show. I think it's terrible. Um, and, but It's also a lot to ask a lot of people who are already probably right. financially strapped with so, medical bills. Right, the other side of it is, Oh, great. So then you turn around. So, like, I, I kind of agree with the fact that they aren't responsible. Right. Um, like, I understand the, the court's findings. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that it's even my place, right? The court gets to decide. Um, but to then turn around and do that to these people is uh, uh, unethical. Gross. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At the very least, disgusting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it does. Like, I can't even do anything about it because I wouldn't. I wouldn't darken a century, a Cinemark, for like, you know, under most reasons, right? Like, I go to the Alamo always, and if I don't go there, like, there's one or two other theaters that I might go to, but I, I never go to a Cinemark, so yeah. I can't. I can't even vote with my dollars and not go. The only one really in our neighborhood is the Belmar one, which we've actively like. It's the worst discarded. theater in Denver. Yeah, like it's not, and not well, because of the theater. It's the audience that is so awful. Yeah. Dude, you remember? The audience drove us out, yeah. Yeah, like, oh, it was so bad for so long. Yeah. Um, Talking and texting. Gosh. Two things at the Alamo actively. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. We'll chase you down over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't actually, like, I haven't I haven't complained about anyone in a while. Um, uh, sorry, what? Go on. You're fine. Oh, I'm, oh. Just, I'm just saying, like, I haven't put up a little flag and, like, gotten somebody yelled at by a manager in, in probably oh, six months. I, I see. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've complained about people. Like, you know, yes. Donald Trump is a dumbass. But, like, I, I, I'm not, like... Well, no, even just, like, I at the mean, theater, like, we went and saw, what, Civil War or whatever, and, you know, somebody was, who's that? Who's this? Who's this character? Super oh, yeah, but they were... on the way out, like, you're three people behind them in the line to get out of that theater. And, and like, I was... In between them and oh, yeah. you, and and like part of me is like I I feel embarrassed that I'm in between this thing and like maybe this people doesn't even hear it, but the other part of me is like, go with God, do whatever you want, it's fine. Well, I, like I get, and, and also it's like I get it too. So th- that was one where like they were so infrequent about their their assholeness that you couldn't complain because it was like because I've done that before where like f- somebody does it for a while and so I put up a ticket and I watch the waiter and they'll like they keep running down because they have to catch the people doing it right. So they'll run back and down, uh, back and forth up the stairs, and not see anything, or they'll stand at the end and watch the people for a while. But because the people do it so infrequently, they don't literally catch them. Sure. Um, like the only way it's really effective is people who are like drunk or something like that, where they're really terrible constantly. But when it's just somebody who every now and then is like, where, where, where are they? What's what's going on? And like somebody next to them whispers for a second. Like, what's what's the Bifrost Bridge? Yeah. What's <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway. So, so you totally reminded me that I had a scenario that I dealt with like this earlier oh, yeah? this week, and I forgot oh, yeah, to talk about it. I, yeah, you, yeah, because you tweeted that photo of some people. I what did. happened? Uh-oh. Uh, so Zach and I went and saw the MST3K reunion show. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which was fantastic. Right. Um, it was like shorts, right? It was just shorts, like old classic, like 50s, 60s instructional videos. Um, one called uh, Shake Hands with Danger. So it was all these construction workers getting like hands lopped off and like, don't do this or be safe with this. Uh, and then another one was about uh, uh, these two women who like were admiring each other's kitchens. And then, uh, you know, I have this great fridge and it saves me time and stuff like, like that. Those kind of videos. Yeah. Sure. Um, those are another f- one was weird and fun. Yeah. And then another one was a, the talking car. So it was all, all about like, look both ways before we cross the street and involve this kid. And it was this dream sequence uh, where these three cars with the animated faces, like animated in the 50s, like a real car with cardboard cutouts, stop motioned their expressions. Oh, okay. So anyway, yeah, it was tons of fun. It was so funny. Um, the Rift Tracks guys, like all eras of MS3K were there. It's yeah. great. Um, including uh, Jonah Ray, who's doing the new stuff, right? Including Jonah Ray. How was he, he was, he, he's finding uh, his legs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I like Jonah Ray. He was as paired a, with Joel. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, like they did. So it was, it was uh, Mike, Kevin, and, oh, am I blanking? Uh, it was like the Sci-Fi Channel crew. Yeah, the three of them, the Rift Jacks crew. Right, and then um, then they paired up uh, Frank Conniff and Trace Ballou. Okay, so they like did a set, and then uh, Mary Jo Pell and Bridget something, Bridget Nelson. Okay, they did a set. Uh, so it was like, and then the last two shorts were everybody all together. Um, so. Okay. But anyway, so we were enjoying that, and it was tons of fun. But there was this old or couple, like in their fifties, um, sat down at the end of the row from me, and uh, they were just constantly like talking amongst themselves. Uh, um, I couldn't hear exactly what they're saying, but it was often like their own versions of the jokes. <laughs> um, or at one point, like That's in the terrible. kitchen one, there's like this trash compactor and the woman like uh, that one thing I did catch was she's like, I used to have that. <laughs> I used to have that in my house. Like, I remember that. That's really important. Uh, like, I'm sure your trip down memory lane is very important to you, but I came to listen to these guys talk, right. not you. Right. Yeah. So I, I probably you, 20 you, minutes in. You understand I've, that the, 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 the gentlemen on screen are not in this theater. Like, they're not other people in the audience talking. Like, they're part of the entertainment. That's yeah. terrible. Yeah. So, like, they were the worst. There was another group behind us up in the, the, the stadium level. Um, so, at that point, I was just like, okay, I, there's, I have to accept this. This sucks. I have to listen to all these people. But no, you totally should have, like... I'm going to try and zone in. But before I zoned in on them, uh, I took a photo of the people to my right, and I thought the flash was on. <laughs> Oh, no, you didn't. So it was not covert at all, uh, but no one seemed to care. Cause you straight took a flash photo in the middle of the in movie. In the middle of the MST3K reunion. Wow. And Zach Lee like, is everything okay? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Are you all right? I'm like, like just assholes, no. man. Just, I'm, yeah, I'm just going to shame these fuckers. And I was just sit, as I was like inf- being infuriating, sitting there fuming, trying to focus on the comedy, but being distracted by these jerks. And, oh, the woman also, like, they snuck in food, too. What? So she had like a little fanny pack of like a sandwich or something. And then 
she was so loud at one point, I heard the plastic bag just hit the floor. I was like, if they leave without picking that up, I'm going to be super upset. Like, I'm going to throw my phone at them. It is so rude to, like, not only, you sh- like, the theater really only makes money from concessions. Right. So you sneaking food in is fucking over already. But then you're going to make some minimum wage kid pick up your trash for you right. after you leave. Like, fuck you. Yeah. So, yeah, she left that bag. And I took a picture of that, too, but I didn't post it. <laughs> <laughs> Did somebody come along and was like, sir, why are you taking, like, evidence no. shots of this trash? No, it was the Greenwood Plaza, and it's one of the chain theaters. So, oh yeah. right, you weren't at the Alamo. It wasn't the Alamo, yeah. Right, right, so, right. So yeah, if it was the Alamo, I would have thrown a card up like really quickly. Oh okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, this is the Greenwood Plaza, but yeah, it's yeah. Just like, like the one right, right over there. Yeah, yeah. Another oh, one. Oh, that that's you're the talking about the, the, land, the landmark one. Oh no, no, you're talking about the one oh, on yeah. Arapaho. Oh okay. Yeah, the United that's Artists. A, yeah, it's I, a regal one. Yeah, I've, I've only ever been or there once. I, I don't need to go again. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you remember when there was the United Artists in the like it was in the, in the basement mall? of the Park Meadows Mall? Hell yeah, that that's where cool. I saw Star Wars. And then there was an arcade down there too. Yes. Yeah, we when Star Wars was getting re-released and put back in theaters, we saw them all there. Yeah. Uh, then we went out and played like Cruising USA in the arcade. You know, we we could have dumb and fun. We could have been in that theater, that defunct theater at the oh, same time. Oh my god, this is terrible. Yeah. Dan's really obsessed with the fact that we grew up in the same town so we could have been in the grocery store at the same time. Yeah, I mean it's like we grew up like a mile and a half or so from each other. Dan, you could have been in the grocery store at the same time I was in the in that theater watching Star Wars. Uh, there's too many scenarios we need to not talk about this. You know what's crazy is like you guys live together right now so you're like <laughs> always <laughs> In wow. the same place. I could True. be asleep when James was asleep. Exactly. True. Oh no. All the time. Anyway. Um, so anyway, yeah. So cool. I posted that. And I was as I was sitting there fuming, I was thinking, like, you know, when we started this podcast, like part of the driving components was that we were gonna use it to shame people for being assholes <laughs> in theaters. And like after the first one, we totally deviated. Well, it's because it didn't got, do it ever we, again. Yeah, we did it like two or three times and it was just like it was actually really hard to get a photo of somebody because honestly, usually those people, as soon as the credits start, leap out of their their seats and run as fast as they can out of the theater. Like like because why the hell would you ever sit and enjoy anything ever? Um. Oh gosh, they're just the worst people. Yeah, the the terrible human beings. Gosh, just yeah. stay home. And who says like kids are disruptive? Like just stay home. Yeah, it's, it's equally uh, anyone can be an asshole. The hardest part is when it's old people being disruptive, because they they do it because they can't hear good, mm-hmm. uh, or they or because they're confused, and they're sweet old people, so you don't want to yell at them. Um, but like they ruined Moneyball for me, because like every time a new character would show up, they'd be, I'd hear old people whisper like, "Who is that?" I'm like, it's a new character. Hold on. Watch the movie. They're going to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's Jonah Hill. And I bet in the next 30 seconds we'll learn his name. Just hold on. Uh, it's frustrating. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Cool, cool. Hey, Brad. What's up? What's going on around town? Uh, I haven't talked about Red Rocks in a while. Cool. Um, so Film on the Rocks is still going on. And uh, the next one, July 7th? It's a Thursday. Yes. yes, that would be. So these are not restricted to Mondays. Uh, well, the Monday is a holiday that week, or this week. So <laughs> That makes sense. <laughs> they probably have a Blues Traveler show going on. <laughs> um, so Thursday, July 7th. Oh, it's a show that was just added. Is Scream. Oh, wow. And their opening cool. band is Emerald Slam. Okay. So, and 
this episode should come out on time, but just in case it doesn't, uh, The Sandlot is Monday, July 11th with special guest <laughs> Brent Cowles. Cool. So, yeah. It's kind of a cool get-to. Yeah. And Deadpool's not for off, which I have tickets to. Oh, and Force Awakens. I have tickets oh, to the last yeah. two shows. Man. Uh, wow. Force Awakens, that film on the rocks? Yeah. That's cool. Uh, the Bug Theater is still doing Evil Dead uh, on Fridays and Saturday nights. And that's Evil Dead the Musical, so that's, that's good. Um, $10, I think, for tickets. And there's a Splatter Zone for 25 No, it's, it's, it's $20, and the Splatter Zone is 25 not $10. Uh, so the uh, 88 Drive-In, um, their selection for this week, their three shows are Ninja Turtles, um, Tarzan, and uh, Central Intelligence. And uh, they're doing a throw. They're doing their first throwback movie. They're doing Space Jam. Uh, damn it! Oh, there you go, Henry. Yeah, I already, I already contacted Henry. He's on board. Okay, do you, do you want me to tell you what's happening at the Esquire? Yes. Okay, because I wasn't listening to what you were talking about, so I, cause I was trying I was to talking about the drive-in. Okay, great. Uh, so this weekend, you already missed The Fifth Element. Uh, so next weekend, you've got Princess Mononoke, which would be cool. and then, uh, So that's the 8th and the 9th. And then on the 15th and 16th is The Omen, uh, and that's the Midnight Show. Huh. And then there isn't one for the last weekend. Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe that's when... Oh, I bet the, the last weekend must be oh, when, that is when current. the show... Uh, yeah. Sorry, I saw another PDF today, I guess, which is August shows, which has, like, Batman and Spirited Away. Oh, 89 okay. Batman. Interesting. Uh, Princess Mononoke and Spirited Away being Miyazu- uh, Miyazaki. Yes, Miyazaki. Miyazaki, right. Yeah. Studio Ghibli? Yes. I can, I can, Ghibli? I can hear your phone. Isn't it Ghibli? So, yeah, that's what's happening um, around town. Yeah. I think I covered everything. Drive-in, Esquire. Cool. You go to drive-ins like every week, don't you? I try to. I try to go when there's cool stuff. Is, like where? Where's the one you go to? Or when there's Central Intelligence. Uh, 88th, 88th, and oh man, it's way northeast. If you take I-76 and then hang around on 88th, it's like not very far from there. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I was, I went this. Do I was bummed out on Friday or Thursday, Thursday, Friday. So I was like, oh, I'll watch Central Intelligence, and then they posted next week's shows, I was like, man, I could saw Central Intelligence and Tarzan for oh, eight bucks. Yeah. Do you still, like, tune into a radio? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. It's, it's okay. I mean, it's a small price to pay for eight bucks for three movies. Yeah, sure. And it's a cool outdoor well, environment. I think the price you pay is that you end up seeing movies like My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2 <laughs> and Central Intelligence and a bunch of other garbage. But... Hey, Either way, makes for stuff to talk about on the cast. Sure, yeah, I'm. I'm Can't glad you. Stuff. I'm glad you see you take that bullet for us. So, <laughs> uh, hey, this is what's uh, happening at the Alamo this week. Hello, hi, I'm Kevin Smith. Hi, I'm Leonard Maltin. Hi, I'm Mark Hamill. Hi, I'm Elijah Wood. This is Seth Rogen. I'm Chris Vermes Bloss. I'm Arn Star. Welcome to the Alamo Draft House. All right, so the cereal party uh, on the ninth is the Secret Life of Pets. So stay away from that. Um, maximum bondage on the 10th is a view to a kill. And then, uh, the, uh-huh. that's cool. And then, uh, on the 17th is the living daylights. That's uh, a good one. That's like it. Timothy Dalton is an underappreciated James Bond. It's one of two Daltons straight up. I disagree. So <laughs> on... the, the, uh, also one of the better, th- like maybe I'm kind of damning it here, but one of the better things about the living daylights is that aha did the song for it. Okay. On the fifth is a is a, a, a is a Apocalypse Now with a cocktail pairing uh, for, during the as part of the film and food thing. 
that they do, which is always really cool. And then there is a craft dinner on the twelfth for Back to the Future Two. I know. Uh, with so, a with beer pairings by Stone Brewing Company. Their craft dinners are awesome, but it's they forty are. bucks, and I love Back Whoa. to the Future Two. I, I bet it's already sold out. I don't know. Otherwise, I should totally go. Hard Target wasn't sold out. Uh, yeah, that was fucking Hard Target, <laughs> and this is Back to the Future Two. Um, Not a lot of people's favorite Back to the Future. No, I mean it's it's certainly like the worst Back to the Future, even though it was my favorite as a kid. And they're all equally good, but whatever. They're all really good. Well, they're not equally good. The first one and the third one are are fractionally better. I disagree. Fractionally better. I I would put. They're all one giant movie. It's great. Like I feel yeah, like this. Uh, yes, sh- <laughs> yes, I agree with that. I feel like this actually would like not that it should be, but would have been the popular opinion, but maybe not in this group of three. But I think three is the weakest movie easily. You're wrong. Uh, Alamo Sorry. Kids Camp between the fourth good. and the eighth is the Box Trolls. So run, don't walk. That is an awesome movie. Um, the beat goes on on seven six on the sixth July sixth is the Blind Swordsman. Uh God bless you. Right. Fantastic on the seventh is inspiration and uh invention for destruction. I don't know what that is, but inspiration's in thirty five millimeter. Um the video vortex on the thirteenth is Demon Wind. Uh I haven't seen the trailer for that yet, but I bet it's cool. Uh, on the, well, that's, that's not this week. That's further down the line. Uh, yeah. So that looks like, oh, uh, and then, oh no, that's all just what's coming out this week. So cool. So that's what's going on at the Alamo. Go see box trolls. Take your kids to go see box trolls. That movie is awesome. So cool. Uh, what do we have left? Blu-rays. Yeah. And then a review. Anything I should buy this week? Uh, Yes. DVD releases and Blu-rays. That was probably a lie. Uh, <laughs> so I, I know of one, actually, off the top of my head. Season 4 of House of Cards. That's not it. Uh, is out this week, so if for some reason you don't have Netflix or are a huge House of Cards fan, you can pick that up. Or if you want to watch House of Cards without uh, the streaming breaking down and jittering or disconnecting, it's right. a good way to watch it. Uh Speaking of Miyazaki, uh, there's a movie he produced this week. It's not an actual... I don't know if it's Ghibli. Uh, Yeah, it is. It's Studio Ghibli. Uh, Only Yesterday, uh, which is voiced by Daisy Ridley and Dev Patel, is getting a Blu-ray release this week. The Dark Knight Trilogy Special Edition thing. Um, So if you don't already own all those movies... uh, I actually don't own them all. I think I own Dark Knight and Rises. Oh, really? Yeah, oddly enough. I mean, Batman Begins is a great movie, but... I just don't have it. Yeah. Uh, there's probably a really cool steel book somewhere that you could find. I do. Batman Begins. You, you can. I have them. Yeah. Uh, the art in this one is really cool, though. Yeah. That's I, I what mean, I'm curious. Like, like, I'm kind of tempted to, just so I have the whole thing in one thing that looks all cool by itself, I might get rid of the two I have and go get that one. It's a condensed version of the right. long box that they had. Yeah. So. yeah. Right. Yes. It looked like it fits that. on the shelf better. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's that same. It's that same art, and it's cheaper. Like the white on, like the blue on white, or whatever. Uh, black on white. It's the black on white, but it's like inside of itself a few times, right? And it's like fractured glass. Uh, so yes. it's like it's like the symbols inside of each other. So uh, I saw the light, which is the story of Hank Williams starring Tom Hiddleston, which uh, I actually wanted to see but didn't get a chance to. So I might check that out. 
the original taking of Pelham one hit one blah, of Pelham one two three with Martin Lathau and Walter Matthau. Martin Lathau. That's Martin Landau and Walter Matthau <laughs> merged together like yeah. a fly. I was really just thinking about how much I love Robert Shaw, so I wasn't paying attention <laughs> to reading properly. I was just like, oh man, Robert Shaw's so good. Oh. Uh, yeah, Robert Shaw's in that movie too. This hold on a second. Can I just draw attention to the fact that I, okay, this must be this must be like a Martin Landshaw. Is, is this a is this a Shout Factory release? This is why we need Ryan, because he always knows. Um, Shaft it, Factory is really like up in their game. They have so much coming out. It's a uh, it it's a really cool looking cover. I just want to say though, you could not get away with this poster today. No. Uh, so <laughs> the poster is a it's a train car full of people. Imagine you're, um, you're on the light rail. Yeah, imagine you're on the light rail, uh, and from like a first person sort of view, there's just a man with a with a machine gun, and everyone is is terrified and freaking out and there's a mother with her son like actually directly in front of the gun like if you drew a line out of the gun barrel you just you shoot a child in the head <laughs> um it's awful this is a really terrible like that's kind wow. of an incredible piece of art right there I, yeah i yeah. i kind of want to go find this poster and own oh, this the poster 70s. um yeah Anyway, uh, there's something like, like there's something real a, Where's Waldo about that thing. <laughs> I guess it's a 42nd anniversary. Find Waldo edition. with a bullet. <laughs> right. I feel like the 42nd anniversary isn't necessarily like one that you draw attention to. Like, <laughs> it's like the wooden anniversary or something. Right. I don't know. Whatever. It's no, like, wood, wood's a big one. It's like the 40th anniversary came away and they're like, fuck. <laughs> right. Well, better now than never, I guess. I, I, you know, your, your Hitchhiker's Guide would probably have a 42nd anniversary or something. Right? Yeah. So... Uh, so there is a Criterion release of The In-Laws, kind of the original The In-Laws this week, uh, which is a movie I loved. Starring um, Michael Douglas. Starring Alan Arkin and Peter Falk. No, not Michael Douglas. <laughs> you never saw that? Uh, no, because I, no, I saw the original <laughs> when I was a kid, which is either. weird. I don't know. Uh, it's weird because my parents showed it to me and there's like a whole sequence at the end where the, the, the like evil Arab guy who is the bad guy... Um, this movie was way ahead of its time. It knew to, it knew to make Arabs. Is he evil because he's Arab, or he no? Just he's to be Arab? no. It was there was a comma there. The evil comma Arab guy. Oh, I'd see I'd yeah. see the comma come out of your mouth. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um. He's got like this giant painting of a naked woman on the wall behind him in his in his evil lair. And so as a kid, I was like, oh man, there's a naked lady on the TV. Uh, but my parents were a big fan of this movie because they really liked Peter Falk. Uh, and it's good. I mean, it's it's Alan Arkin and Peter Falk, and it's hilarious. And there's a scene where, where they they have to run away from gunfire, and Peter Falk's like serpentine, serpentine, and then they run in serpentine. And we, I quoted that movie for 15 years of my life. Um, you know, all the times I was running away from gunfire. Yeah. Uh, when I was on the light rail. Um, so yeah, check that. I I actually will probably go buy that because I really love that movie. It's a good one, and it's not anything like the remake that was pretty disappointing um there's some movie called the mermaid from stephen chow uh oh that's a huge hit i think it's the highest grossing chinese movie ever is it really yeah. i was just gonna ask i haven't heard about this at all really yeah is it good i i, I haven't seen it i don't think it's in stateside does it look cool like because i like kung fu hustle i mean it's i'm curious because like there was something else that they released recently that was huge Huh. And they're like, this is the biggest Chinese movie ever. And then, I don't know, three months later, The Mermaid comes out and it does even better. Wow. All right. Um, but, you know, uh, it makes me think, like, how kind of unfair it is that 
that there are so many people in China? I agree. <laughs> yes. Point made. <laughs> no. It's like, I, I'm glad Ryan's not here because he would totally like fight me on this. But, uh, you know, we, the rest of the world gets so much of our media and like they get our blockbusters right. and like they adopt them as, but when China makes a blockbuster, like the mermaid's probably never going to come over here unless the Mayan gets it. Sure. And it'll probably just like be well, forgotten. Honestly, because most of the time they're very niche movies, right? Like even Kung Fu Hustle as, as well regarded and widely accepted as that movie was like, most people didn't see it, and most people who would like, like if I showed that movie to my parents, they'd be like, "This is weird, and I don't like it." But I don't you think know? that was a blockbuster there either. Like it was a big movie, but it's like it's not like Avatar. Like oh. The Mermaid's like Avatar level for them. So I'm like, why isn't something that's huh. like Avatar level for them Does that like embraced not... over here? Because Does, they it... like shit like Avatar. <laughs> like, they're not watching the Lobster. No, I'm not saying like like for us. Yeah, like we don't like Avatar, but still, like a lot of people went to see it. Like it's a, yeah. At, in 2009, it was a big cultural, like, or I guess Force Awakens now is a better uh, sure. uh, example. Yeah. What you're saying is, like, look, if over here Avatar is really popular, over there Avatar was really popular, so when The Mermaid is really popular over there, it should equally come over here and at least be shown, because theoretically, that audi- the same stupid audience that sees it over here should see the yeah, same like stupid why, shit that like gets Why does everyone else there? embrace our blockbusters, but when they have their own blockbuster, we ignore it, you know? Because everybody wants to be an American. It doesn't I mean, it got stuff... dark with it for a second, but well, yeah. yeah, but I mean, will, will it not show up on Netflix? I, don't know. I mean, like, there's I mean, a Blu-ray like, right like, here. There's a, there's a ton of Bollywood movies all over Netflix. Oh yeah, like, I mean, I can I can buy the there. Blu-ray right here. Right. Uh, like, holy shit! The sub. Holy shit! I need to see this movie. <laughs> the subtitle of this movie or the tagline of this movie is "Half Fish, Half Human." 100% assassin. Yeah. This is the mermaid. Totally. Yeah. Well, no wonder it's a hit. Holy shit, I need to see this movie. It's pretty cool. I thought it looked stupid because it's just like it's just this attractive young Chinese woman and her hair is done up like the shape of a fin. And I thought, well that seems dumb. No, the fin is the tail. Well yeah, like a yeah, the the tail fin, yeah. Right. So it's not it's not a young woman with a tail like a mermaid. It's just the head of a young woman, and then her hair comes up off of her head like terrible CG'd on hair shaped like a fin, huh. like a tail fin. Because like here, the mermaid, I can, like I mean, I guess I, 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 I can just turn it and show the listeners. will have to go Google the mermaid yeah. cover from Stephen Chow, director of Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah, so you know you're looking at the right thing. Um, like that cover does not look like a movie that no, is this not, looks like is not widely available or known. Yeah, like I would expect this to say from the director of Dougal. At the top, not... Uh, do you remember Dougal, the animated film about the dog that no one remembers? Anyway, but there's no, a... Uh, go, go, Google, uh, go Google Doodle. Dougal. Do- Dougal. Uh, I don't think it was called... I think you're on our track. It was something dumb like that. But I don't know if it was Dougal. I know there's Aragon. No. Uh, no, Aragon's a different thing. No, du- was Dougal it? was a... Du- oh, fuck. This, is, this, I know, this like podcast is going to hell. Uh, yeah. Um, du- was it Dougal? It's some British thing. Yeah, D O O G A L. Oh, Dugal. I was okay. Yeah. I had oh, is L-E it pronounced Dugal? No, it's you're right. Du- just, ah. d- the spelling in my head Steve, was different. Stephen Dugal. D- yeah, D U G A L is what you were thinking probably. Yeah. L E was what I was thinking, and A L. Oh, really? The... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not du- Google Dugal. Right. Um. Anyway. Uh. So. I, yeah. I, I'm gonna go see the mermaid because that sounds cool. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying it's like it looks terrible. We're moving toward more towards a world culture, and we still like exclude. I, I just don't understand, like, why the culturally, like, 
Uh, because they take our stuff, but we ignore their stuff. Because Americans are very uh, 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 self-centered. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, by the Sea, starring Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, and directed by Angelina Jolie, and produced by Angelina Jolie, by writer Angelina Jolie. So, maybe see that. Um, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. And Cabin Fever. Moving on. The Pack. I don't know if that's a... Hmm. No Bark, All Bite. Oh, that was probably just like a five-pack oh, of go. movies. Um, Blood and Black Lace, a film by Nario Bava. Uh, it's an Arrow release. Um, that's basically... The whole cover is just like a weird psychedelic dream of of just sort of nonsensical murder stuff all taped together. Uh, so maybe see that. And no, that looks terrible. Nobody cares. Uh, Code of Honor, starring Stephen Dugall, uh, Stephen Seagal. Um, this looks terrible, and Vigilante Diaries looks terrible. Is that, uh, yeah, is that there's a, new a bunch of Stephen Seagal or like a '90s one being released. No, it looks new because like the the whole cover is all. Hold on, let me get let me get it back. He's on pudgy. Um, well, I mean, they photoshopped him to not look pudgy. Um, there is no honor in revenge. Uh, let's see what year, what year, what year. It's rated R, so there you go. Directed by Michael Winnick. And it is... It looks like... Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's new. It all Everything about this looks new. So uh, it's just Steven Seagal, and he has on a Nathan Drake uh, uh, scarf. Yeah, he's got like and a... And he's got a big machete, or a big machine gun, and he's going to shoot you. Steven Seagal is like Nathan Drake. He yeah. looks like a biker Code of honor. badass. Code of Honor. Or something. Yeah, he's like, oh, you did something bad. You broke my code of honor. That looks better you. than I like the cover. The, the cover the graphic on that cover looks better than I thought it was. Yeah, well, that's where they so. put all the money because it's a. It cost them twenty four dollars to make that movie. So, <laughs> um, all right, cool. So that's DVDs and Blu rays. This week, uh, we went and saw the BFG, directed by Steven Spielberg, the big fucking giant. <laughs> the big, yeah, uh, <clears throat> uh, bread. Should people go see the BFG? Uh, I wouldn't say it's a terrible movie, but I was really bored. So I'd probably show it to your kid on Netflix. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, man, this movie seems like really phoned in. Um, uh, this movie must be what Ryan thinks Hook is. <laughs> uh, so I think the third act is actually really fun. Like, but when the third act started, and all of a sudden, well, well I don't want to get into spoils, but when the third act started, uh, where the whole movie takes a complete left turn, um, at that point I was like, oh, okay, cool, like, there's some stuff going on here, and, like, some of this stuff you've set up is actually, like, pull it, you know, executing, um, and you've, you've spent a lot of this movie, like, making me like this little girl and this, and this, this, this big fucking giant, and... You know, like some of that 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 emotion sort of pays off, but it's just not terribly interesting. And I think because everything is CG, it actually just feels like a it feels like an animated movie with some pretty bad composite shots in it that don't convince me. Like it's actually really bad that in the trailers for this, like Steven Spielberg kept saying, like, you know, the technology wasn't there, but like now you really believe that like a little girl is on screen with the with this big friendly giant, and I'm like. Actually, the little girl looks the most out of place. Like, you should have just CG'd the little girl, and this yeah. would have been a better movie. I, I, I do think the CGI was better than the previews. Like, obviously, the final yes. cut. Yeah, I would uh, agree. Mark Rylance 
looks more realistic. He looks, yeah, he looks really good. Um, but that's not enough to make me not bored. So no, yeah. Play the trailer. Uh, yeah, yeah. So here's here's the trailer, and then uh, I mean we'll talk about it. About, well, I guess we are gonna spoil some stuff, but uh, it's not that big a deal. So anyway, here's the trailer. What kind of a monster are you? Bone cruncher, coil chewer, meat dripper, gizzard gulper, butcher boy. Please don't eat me. You think because I'm a giant that I'm a man gobbling cannibal? <laughs> You can call me the big, friendly giant. Oh, my. I catch dreams. This one sounds like you. There are back dreams here, too. Yeah. Run, Sophie. Hide. You has a delicious little bean. I have a plan. Brave Sophie. This be the story of a little gal. It'll be great adventures and laughter. Times will be hard, times will be soft. So hold your breaths, cross your fingers, here we go. I'm going to call you BFG. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a book, so what's there to spoiler? <laughs> like space well, on a book. Yeah, that's the thing is like as a kid, I remember everybody else reading this Which book. Which I didn't read. Yeah, and, and everybody else was like, Oh man, I love the BFG, it's so good. And I was like, I don't read, so I'm not gonna read that. What's um, the point of the story? Because that's probably why I was bored. Is like uh, I didn't understand like what we were trying to learn I in think, the story. I think like the the giants are always you should you should stand up stand, like stand up thing. stand up for yourself. But there's so many me- meandering paths like yeah to set that up. Don't eat children. Always well, always children. always ask the queen for help. Are there any female um, giants? Like, where do they come from? Uh, they're they're forever. They're all they're they've been here. All, they're all male and they're yeah. all forever. The big yes, female giant. They were never bored. They've been here since the beginning of time. <laughs> That's the sequel. Yeah. The big the big female giant. Um. Yeah, and then they they procreate off of that island from the end. They just fill the ocean with giants. Which their solution is pretty fucking dark. <laughs> <laughs> Let's drop them in the thing they hate the most. Right. Well, and then. Give them no space, on, like well, evil, the tiniest amount of land. They're evil giants. Like, Are they evil? Like the one? Well, they eat children. The they Jermaine... steal orphans out of their beds and eat them. Which this is, they they're they're all forever. So this is only a problem now. Like well, no, it's been a problem forever. Orphans... Are they not terrorizing? Like it's a headline this week, but how has this not been like historically? How did humans even survive? 
to become modern England. Because until the 80s, no one paid attention to or- to, to orphans in, in I, England. I love when the Queen referenced Nancy and Ronald Reagan. I was like, oh, yeah. it's the 80s. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it seemed so timeless before, but no, uh-huh. it's just the 80s. Yep. Is the Queen in the book? I don't know. I didn't read the book. Because I felt like the whole sequence was just it. made up as like, wow, this book's short and boring. Yeah. Let's add this Yeah, there's all modern this... Queen sequence. I mean, there's a lot of parts of it, like aspects of the fantasy that I think are kind of cool, right? So like early on, so, okay, let's back up a little bit. So there's this little girl named Sophie and she's an insomniac uh, and she, she's an orphan. She doesn't sleep. She's an orphan. She lives in an orphanage and she's up one night. And she's wise beyond her and years. In the first three minutes of the movie, uh, she peeks out her window and there's a giant running down the street. So he, and he sees that she saw him. So he reaches in, steals her and runs her away Okay, um, stop right there real quick. Into another thing that bothered me was like I didn't understand the rules of this universe because giants are giant and they don't. There's you'd think that they would make a lot of noise moving around and yet they don't. Well, and I just attributed it to like he's very skilled at hiding so and I, being covert. I, I, so I'll move on. That's that's actually like the most charming part of the movie for me is all the all the montages of him hiding places. No, the hiding's fun. It's just <laughs> like, like which is kind of strange to be like, here's this movie with this giant. I like the parts where no one else can see the giant. Uh, but but if I was a person in that world, like yeah, it's fun how creatively he hides, but at the same yeah. time like I'm pretty sure I could feel a large presence like stomping like there would be mm. vibrations from his feet yeah. when he runs. Um, I mean, he, he, his well, giants airstream are... knocks over trees at one point, yet when he's on cobblestone, he silent, silent, totally silent. Yeah. So right away, well, I'm just like, I, I don't understand uh, the you, rules. You got, you got to meet this movie on its, you okay. know, yeah. yeah. So, they're magical beasts. So he takes her away. Right. Yeah. So he steals her. Um, and after a very long scene of, for no good reason, actually. So there's the a, there's there's the, all these long shots of him running away to his country, and then it's interspliced with some terrible shots of her in a blanket that don't seem tied at all to what you're seeing in the CG shots. Um, when like those that those that when that composite shot happened, I was like, oh oh Stephen, what are you doing? The, like that should have been the part you spent time on, like. This, you know, especially in the in the like preview things where they talked about like, oh, we all made ET together. Like, yeah, okay. And in ET, you made his eyes dilate so that he felt real. And in this movie, you shot a little girl on green screen as close up as you could, and then fit a CG movie around her. Like, the part where he chops up the the cucumber, the snot cucumber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The snot cucumber. Yeah. Yeah. Those slices go in the pan, and then she tries to escape, and he brings the pan over, and she falls into the pan with these like slimy. Snozcumber slices, and yet her dress doesn't get stained or like slimy at all. No, but that is not what's wrong with this movie. What's no, wrong just, with this I mean, movie is that it's the compositing boring. again. I'm yeah, like, yes, right, yeah, yeah. Right. There's a part later where she's inside the snozcumber and like, and she comes out and she's covered in slimy. Snot, yeah, but when she's in the pan and she's sliding around in it, no attention was pla- pla- placed to that. Right, exactly. Yeah, it, it feels very disconjointed. They weren't dry slices. There was slime in there, and yeah. she's yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, so she he runs to he takes her, and then he's like, "Ah, oh, you have to live with me forever because you would have gone and told everybody that you saw a giant, and then hunters would come and kill me." And she's like, "What? Why? I'm a child. Nobody would listen to me." And he's like, "Whatever." And so then then you learn that um, that he is like and the, the giants. Too fb. Too fucking bad. 
So, you have to stay with me. <laughs> uh, so the giant, what I imagine is part of what's fun about this book is like the giant speaks in weird words and stuff, uh, but it's kind of just annoying in the movie, but it's fine. And it's hard it's to understand. understand at times. Yeah. Um, and she speaks weird too, cause she's British. Uh, so that makes her hard to talk to, to listen to as well. But, um, I thought the fun reveal was that he is a runt among giants. Yeah. So he's actually a small giant and his job is he runs, he at, so at some point I never know when things happen in the day or the night. I think the giants sleep in the day and then during the day he goes, I don't know when he sleeps cause at night he goes into town and during the day he runs up the hill into the nighttime where there's a tree. A dreaming tree. Uh, there's a tree. Yeah, there's a dream tree. And uh, and that was cool. So this was a neat idea. So, like, he jumps into this lake, and then he's on the other side of the lake where all the dreams are. Yeah, you have and to go into the lake to get into the underside where... Right. You're in the reflection of this tree, yeah. and in the reflection of the tree are all the dreams. He catches dreams, both good and bad. Um, and labels them. And he goes with her. And, yeah, and so... And she takes... She goes there, too, and they, they catch some dreams together. And then... Um, uh, which alludes to that he has like great hearing. Like, yeah. Able, oh yeah. He can always he can hear all things. But other points in the movie, he conveniently doesn't hear things. Well, like when does he not hear things? Like, um, like he's so attuned, like he can hear people's heartbeats and stuff around yes. the world. But when she's trying to escape, like she has to knock over the sewing equipment for him to notice. Oh, that's like, true. It should just be the patter of her feet and then the window cracking open. Yeah, he he could just hear her heartbeat that is, yeah. as she moves. Selective. Yeah. But whatever. Um, but he also doesn't care because he's like, I'm just going to run over there and grab her. Like, she's not going to actually be able to escape. But uh, anyway, so, like, they catch dreams or whatever. And, like, that part of the fantasy seemed really cool to me. I was like, oh, this is really imaginative. Like, he, he catches dreams. He, like, mixes them together and, you think and makes dreams to... for people. And then he takes them to town and, like, shoots them into people's ears or mouths. So that they have good dreams. Yeah. They're like, okay, cool. And but this takes like an hour. Like nothing is happening that is actually like plot like I had no idea where we were going or why or There's what no was... conflict, it's all set up. Right, exactly. Um There's a threat of other giants. Yes. But that's... But you never really feel threatened by them. Yeah. Um and then there's this there's a subplot about the fact that like the other giants pick on him. And she's like, no, you can't, no, you, you can't yeah, take that. Yourself, stand yeah. up for yourself. And then I guess eventually he does. Um, and then all of a sudden the third act happens and everything takes a left turn and she just wakes, she's like, we should go talk to the queen. We need a plan. Right. Hey, she sees a we need a queen. plot is what she says. Um, they're trying to figure out how to defeat the other giants. Yeah. To stand this, to them. There is this really heart warm or heartbreaking part where they catch this really, this really bad dream. And he's like, Oh, this is these, these dreams are dreams that tell you that, um, that what you've done in your life is really is really bad and that no one will ever forgive you like you know, that there is no forgiveness and you're like holy shit like that's super dark um and that comes back in some ways that are really interesting well well no it's they they potentially are but then when he does that to the giants at the end you're like really like they just become whiny babies like this is just annoying. And even before that I was like why do you need to involve the queen with this plan like you could just go to the giants and shoot bad dreams into them and like yeah they don't fly off the island but yeah um, i think the you idea... could have haunted them well in in her all these years like her context of how to build a plan would be like i ah, will go get some adults um one of one of the like roll doll things is that there are there are bad adults in his books but there are all there are always also uh 
like really good adults who want to help you and want to like be amazing people almost like in a fantasy way. Um, and so in the same way here, like she, she goes and finds those people, which in this case is Rebecca Hall and the lady who plays Mrs. Crowley or uh, what's her face from, from Downton Abbey uh, who plays the queen. Isn't she and, also a uh, Simon Pegg's mom in Shaun of the Dead? Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yes. I wasn't sure. Yeah. I haven't looked it up yet, but yeah. Uh, I, like, I know this Yeah, woman. I think she is. Yeah, yeah. she must be. Uh, yeah. Well, she's in Downton Abbey. She, you should check it out. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but after like searching, like apparently the BFG had another kid for a while, like in yeah, his and care, got, and he got eat. that he screwed up and his giant friends ate the kid. Yeah. Um, but that really didn't like. It didn't I, go anywhere. There's no emotional resonance. It, like he didn't. I mean, it was sad to hear about, but it, it didn't do anything in the movie. Like you don't understand. Like they don't set up like how he allowed. It. Like he he takes great care in protecting her, but like what mistake did he make? Oh, with really? him? Yeah, you don't know what mistake he, he learned made. for her. So I think later when the other giants come, like there's a reference in there that's like uh, where one of the giants says like, "We well, you know uh, he found the last one. He'll find this one too." So clearly, like the exact same thing had happened. We just don't know like what happened that 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 little boy was found out. Yeah. Um, and in and in that case, like the fact the original plot of he grabs her and steals her, like honestly, this cowardice sort of uh, giant, like I don't know why he wouldn't just run away and hide and be like, well, hopefully my friends will will defeat any humans who come in. Um, I don't know. Like it just it seems weird. Yeah. Um, so there's all these fart jokes. <laughs> there's two whole sequences devoted yeah, there's to this. Whole, two whole sequences which at the alamo uh oh yeah you saw it there did yeah. you did you see the 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 section of the animated movie yeah that i was so confused by well i'm guessing it's actually in the book right yeah it's adapted twice but it was way worse in the animated movie where like they're both they're both drinking this stuff so there's this soda where, where the, the bubbles, bubbles go down and she she's like well if the bubbles go down then, like, instead of the gas, like, coming out and you burping, which is rude, like, that, then it'll come out the other way, right? And he's like, yeah. And that's a sign that you're really, truly happy. And I'm sitting there like, what the fuck? Where is this movie going? And Where's so this when movie you, going? And you don't expect... A recurring thought. <laughs> <laughs> what you don't expect is that he's going to drink half of the bottle and then... A rocket ship of farts is going to come out of his butt. Gigantic green eruption. Launching him off of the chair and then, like, I don't know, pooting out some. So, like, it's, it's like... <laughs> and then at the end, it's like... <laughs> uh, Fun! <laughs> yeah. And then he, and he lands and he's all smiles. And you're like, what the shit is happening? Wah! I, and it's it's not funny. You have to understand, this is the masterpiece that Steven Spielberg could not make for so many years, but now we have the technology. I know. Or whatever yeah. he was talking about. Dude, he wasn't trying on this movie. Like, then, I don't know who wrote this one. I don't know if it's somebody he's worked with before. Well, it's but... Melissa, Melissa Matheson, who recently died. Oh, she wrote that's... E.T. Well, she adapted E.T. Oh, no. So I feel like this was to honor her. Is this his... Is this for her... Melissa at the end, too. This is her AI. <laughs> oh... So, also, um, when the girl bad. figures out, hey, we should go talk to the queen, obviously, to solve our problems, the queen right. of England. Yes. Um, they throw a dream at her about, like, giants are real. So, I'm guessing that'll help make her story legit when they approach her. Yeah. Like, so, now they have the, have the queen on her side. 
Even then, though you're right, you, she she could just show up at the queen's window with a fucking giant. giant. Yeah, I'd be like, <laughs> see, real, don't kill right. it. Yeah, please don't kill it. I'm friendly. Yeah. Well, I guess that's it. Is that the dream at least sets it up so that she understands that there's a friendly giant and there are bad giants and there's a little girl. I don't know who why I would believe help. a dream more than my own eyes. <laughs> like, well, if it at least gave you pause long enough to think maybe the giant's not a bad guy, because if a giant walked down my street. I'm driving my car into it as fast as I can because I don't own a gun. No. Like, I'd be like, is he smashing things? No, we're good. Yeah. Is, uh, he, is he breaking my window to grab me? No, we're good. Let him be. <laughs> um, well, or at least I guess I would. I would say in my house and hope the army shot him to death. Um, and <laughs> anyway, if I were the queen, gosh. yeah, anyway. It's all set up for this like extended my kids get eaten. breakfast sequence where right. the little girl gets invited to eat with the queen and they set up like grandfather clocks with the platform so a large table for him to sit on and all the queen's servants have to um climb ladders to deliver huge plates of food for him yeah and then he drinks the the wine again he serves it to everyone he serves it to everyone and you think oh well they'll cut before they go through that gag again and nope they have everyone everybody's farting, farting. even the three corgis yes the, the corgi owns. the corgis drink the CGI it corgis. and they they rocket fart out of the room like they're on roller skates into the Damn. hallway of buckingham palace yes and then the queen rips one that blows the tablecloth off yes. her table hers is the most understated and <laughs> <Yeah>. respectful <laughs> which is nice um and then she's like oh great let's go to giant country like that's how the scene ends let's send the Everybody military farts. And she's like, let's go to giant country. But I think the rest of that scene without the farts is kind of charming and fun. Like, what so, was the rest Sophie, of it? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like the, she's getting her hair done. Yes. Rebecca Hall's very nice to her. And you're like, okay, great. Like, clearly the orphan is going to get adopted by Rebecca Hall, which happens. Luckily, she doesn't have any kids of her own, I guess. Whatever. Just um, coincidentally. Yeah. And... Nor do we have any setup that she aspires to be... A caretaker yeah, of children. Yeah, right. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, this movie's not good. This kid's cute. I'm just going to adopt her. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that, and that's okay. But I mean, I could have like, wandered into an orphanage at any time, but luckily one was just handed to me. He, there's some of the, like, there's some of the little conversation there that I think is a little bit fun. I can't remember any of it now. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, then the queen sends the British she sends, army. She sends 12 helicopters. Yep, cargo into, copters. Yes, yes, big big cargo copters. No actual military, really, but... Which I don't think can support the weight of these giants, but... Whatever. It's um, the 80s. High tensile helicopters. Uh, and they go in there, and so the big friendly giant and Sophie get there first, and they... They, uh, they tell the copters to they, wait. Yes, they tell <laughs> the copters, like, For wait a really over there. long time. Hold on a second. They go in... Uh, and they, well, they sit on the rock and they have a really great, and that scene is really good where they have this wonderful conversation that feels like what the payoff of the movie should do, uh, where he says to her, she asks about what her dream was. Um, and he says like, well, he basically says like, your dream is to go like have a life and have a family and grow up and have adventures and sometimes have sad things happen to you but to have, like, a real life um, outside of this fantasy world. And it's really a touching scene that's done really well that is 
all like Spielberg just delivering exactly what you would expect him to do, but kind of only in that scene. And so it just feels like it doesn't actually, it doesn't actually pay off anything because nothing was set up properly. Exactly. Like she, I didn't get any sense that she was failing at life. Like, I mean, she, she's an orphan, but that's not her fault. Like what? I, I didn't see like her not having those aspirations and then learning right. to have them. Yeah. Like, like she'd never thought like, well, I'd like to have, I'm an orphan. I I never thought I'd like to have a family one day. Yeah. Until you told me. Yeah. And she seemed pretty content in the orphanage. Like she was kind of running the show. Yeah. She well, told those drunks off. Well, she told she tells us in the movie that the woman who runs it is shitty, yeah. but we never see it. Right. Um, but I'm just saying, like she's she's done pretty well for herself. It's, yes, with limited. They're with not showing you getting her abused. They they don't show you her being abused at all. Sure. Yeah. It seems like everyone's pretty. And also, you know, those kids wake up when that. She's screaming, and then all those kids stay asleep. No, she doesn't scream when the giant grabs her. She, she kind of goes like, ah. Still. But she's, she's not, it's not like a blood-curdling, oh my goodness, there's a giant hand grabbing me out of my bed. There's still like Someone 20 kids help there. Me. One of them even rustles before the giant even shows up. Like, no, they're not was, in deep was, sleep. I thought that was a good touch. I, thought that, I, no, <laughs> I noticed that kid, too. I was like, oh, they're real kids. They're not CG. Um, anyway. Yeah, this movie's not good. And then the giant, like, he does have, like, yeah, he's a, he learns to not, Get he bullied. Get, yeah, he gets bullied, and then later he's like he stands up to them. But he didn't seem all that bothered when he's being bullied anyway. Yeah. Oh, he totally forgot the whole where they charge the cars at each other. Yeah, and then he slams his head into the other guy's dick. Yeah, the the big friend, <sighs> the BFG nut punches with his head. <laughs> right. Yeah. On accident, he, he headbutts a guy's dick with while on, while dick. riding on a bus. Uh, he had a, he had a garbage truck, and then that's right, it was a garbage truck. Yeah. And the then little the other girl, guy, Sophie, was in a yes, was a, in a car. Yeah, and that was an alright sequence. It's not good though. Um, it wasn't. In, I, I wasn't afraid of anything. And why? Um, why were the giant? Why were she, she and the giant waiting around to put the dreams? Like, were they waiting for sunrise or something? No, it seems like they nice, could have just done it, it right away. Nice, it was just a nice scene. Like the army's waiting. Yeah, but on the other a, side of the wall. Yeah, but we have to we have to pay the, off this part. We have to do a dramatic nice, scene just because. Yeah, um, this is genuinely the most disappointing Steven Spielberg movie I've ever seen. The more I talk about it, the more I like. Yeah, like I, and even even yet last night when I was done with it, I was like, man, like, I feel like he's just phoning this in. I mean, he is the greatest director of all time, and this is honestly going in. The bar for me was Tintin. I wanted this movie to be Tintin, and this movie is ten percent of Tintin. Mm, yeah. Like, like there is a single sequence of Tintin that is better than all of this movie. Uh, and I'm not trying to be, like, damning. I, I just... I mean, it's <sighs> still more magical and inspiring than a lot of these, like, storks. Oh, I would... Re- yeah, people should see this before they see Storks or The Secret World of Pets. I mean, maybe those movies are amazing, but most... But if those movies have any of the content in the trailer, they're worse than this movie, than the BFG. Um... Oh gosh, the trailer for Storks is so awful. Ah. <laughs> uh, um. Anyway, yeah. I I don't know. Don't see the BFG. It's not very fun. This must be what he did on weekends on Bridge of Spies. Yeah, like I half expect for another one of his movies to come out in two weeks, right? Because it must have taken him two weeks to make this movie. Like he he just shot the parts with the girl, and then in the British, gave the British. 
and the queen. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah, and the parts with the queen, and then like that was gave like the script a week on set. Yeah, and then gave the script to the CGI guys and was like, I want it to look like this. Yeah. Like, like probably directed the animatics to make sure that it would look right, and then came back in six months and they were like, Hey, here's what it looks like. Is this what you wanted? And he was like, I guess so. I don't know. I I don't I don't care. Um, yeah, this is really disappointing. <laughs> Um, and I didn't have any expectations for it. So, like, my only expectations were Steven Spielberg. Before I watched it, I was like, you know, the trailers, all the versions of the trailers I've seen have the same footage in it. Like, what's in the rest of this movie? Yeah. And I feel like that often is very telling of, like... Yeah. Unless it's Star Wars, where there's, like, a big where secret. Where they're hiding content, yeah. I was like, well, it's a book, so what are they could possibly be hiding? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So. It's a, it's that there is no adventure in this movie, like that's what they're hiding. Like, hey, here's some magic. <sighs> yep. Enjoy while it lasts. Yeah, and even even the dreams are very unimaginative, like the way the dreams look. Oh it's yeah, like, the, the one dream that they show like on the wall. Did that kid's dad die? He, the dad falls <laughs> the over dad one just, point. The dad just has an aneurysm. And no one comments on it. No. It's just like the dad's dead and the kid's dreaming and smiling like like the end the of setup, that dream the it, setup is the one dream that they show like the bfg implanting in someone on his nightly route yeah and so the little girl's there with him it's this kid who wants to talk to he has the, the shittiest dream on the planet a british kid and his dream is to talk to the american president he wants the president to call him and be like hey i need your help yeah and for the dad to just be like why the hell are you calling my kid yeah why aren't I'm you the talking adult to here me? why yeah. are you talking to a kid and then it's it's all silhouettes of the family right. yeah. and acting this out. And then just as the the scene is ending, the dad just falls over like he just died. Yeah, and it and really then the kid it's... rolls over in real life and like smiles. <laughs> yeah. It's like, did he want his dad to die? And it really the animation there is like as if the character falls sort of straight to his knees and then like. Like fluidly like he had a falls heart attack. over. Yeah, yeah. It looks like he ha- like like a blood vessel pops in his brain yeah. and he just dies. <laughs> it, it looks like no, he falls over like someone unplugged him from the matrix. Exactly. Yes. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, not like this. His mom's standing beside him. He's like laying on his back on a table, talking on the phone with the president. And yeah, his dad falls over just like he falls unplugged from the matrix. And he's just like. My dad just I, I my dream is that the president calls me and my dad is so mortified that he falls over dead. And that kid on the uh, bed in real life rolls over and then the giant starts laughing like, Haha, "Let's go to the next one." <laughs> like, what? what? I'm so glad you noticed that. I thought I was insane. Yeah. Oh, mercy. It's like I must have missed some dialogue. No, no. Yeah. All that right. Character just got unplugged for the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> oh, weird. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, don't see that movie. Um, this week we also, and this wasn't even planned. This yeah, was just, this is amazing. That you this went happened. and saw it, and then I also went and saw it. Uh, we also went and saw The Neon Demon uh, by NWR, Nicholas Winey Revan. Uh, and uh, Brad, should people go see uh, The Neon Demon? Um, we'll talk about it later, but I'm going to say yes, because it's like this brain... Uh, amoeba that has like infected like I'm not sure I was sold on the story but every frame of this movie is a contemporary art museum exhibit <laughs> that I cannot like take my eyes off of like it's so beautiful to look at yeah um it's, it's just yeah 
and I, I'm sure there's deeper meanings in those visuals that are allusions to the story, but I've only seen it once and I haven't picked it apart because there's so much crazy shit going on Yep. amongst this beautiful painting yeah. that is a movie. Um, so yes, you should go get exposed to probably the weirdest, wildest thing you'll see in theaters uh-huh. in a long time. Yeah. So, uh, so last, Oh, Dan, do you have a question for me? No. Did you, you see this movie? To, no, you're supposed to ask me what whether or not people should see this movie. Oh, hey, should you go see the movie? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, about a week ago, uh, Kendall from the from the draft house came back, and and she was super excited about this trailer when it came out. And I saw the trailer, and I was like, God, man! Like after only for, God forgives, I just saw this trailer, and I was like, Damn it! Like why is Nicholas Winding Refn like not telling stories anymore? Like why isn't he focused on characters? Because Drive was so good. And such an amazing character drama, um, even though the characters hardly ever speak, like he got such amazing performances and really built deep characters that I saw this trailer and I was like, oh no. Have you seen Bronson? No, I haven't seen Bronson. That's oh, like a tour de force too. I like that has more story. Uh, yeah, uh, I need I need to check that movie out. Um, so uh, the anyway, and so I ran into her at the, at the draft house and and we started talking about it and she was like, oh, I really like it, but like a third of the audience walked out the first time I saw it and, uh, and like in the first 10 or 15 minutes or something like that. And I, and I looked at her and I was like, so am I going to like this movie? Like I, I like drive. I hate only God forgives. Am I going to like this movie? And she just looked at me and goes, I don't, I know you're not, you're not going to like this movie, but I think you should see it. Cause I think you'll appreciate parts of it. Um, so I told you all of that to explain some of why, uh, it's really fucking impressive for me to say that honestly, this is probably a top ten movie for me. Uh, I fucking love this movie. It's pretty and cool, have right? not stopped thinking about it since I saw it. I will agree. Like you said, lots of people walked out. Like it is super slow. Like for the first forty-five minutes. Yeah, but I don't care because everything I said that I was afraid of is not true in this movie. Oh. It's some of the best performances. It has really interesting characters with some really crazy shit going on. Um, there are a couple of scenes. So there's there's two sections where it gets like psychedelic enough, where like the all the all the modern artiness of Nicholas Winding Refn comes in and he starts to get in his way, and we'll we'll talk about that. Um, and the first scene is written wrong, and the dialogue is awful. And so I was really afraid in the first scene. I was like, oh no, like this is this is terrible. Uh, but this is what I, I want the bathroom scene. Uh, the, no, the, um, the scene where we meet, uh, Jenna Malone and they, they just, they're just meeting like she's the makeup artist and it's right after she's, okay. it's, it opens. Wait, we'll talk about it. I saw this a lot longer ago than you did. So yeah, I, I saw it on Tuesday or something. Anyway. Um, so, uh, shit, I, I was, I, I was about to finish and then, uh, <laughs> go to the trailer and now I can't remember. There was a point I wanted to make. Uh, oh, as soon as it was over, the thing I texted to Steve was that this is the best vampire movie I have seen in years. And while it is not literally a vampire movie, this is the best vampire movie I have seen in years, uh, which we will explain in the very, 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 very spoilery review of this movie, uh, because I don't know how to talk about this movie without telling you what happens. Um, and I don't know that it matters. Uh, I mean, I think there's some some definite shock value to some of this story, um, I think visually, uh, what's so what's cool. expressed is so shocking. Like, yes. if we just talked about it, it would sound like any other movie. But what you see on screen is what 
Yes. Gives you the impact. And that's that slow burn of the movie is such that when you get to the really shocking parts of the movie, you're like you you're living inside of this awful, awful thing. Um, it's pretty great. Uh, so anyway, here's the trailer for the Neon Demon. I see 20 or 30 girls come in here every day, mostly from small towns with big dreams. And they're all good. You, you're going to be great. Beauty isn't everything. It's the only thing. She has that thing. Look at Jesse. Who wants sour milk when you can get fresh meat? I know what I look like. Women would kill to look like this. Party or something? You know what my mother used to call me? Dangerous. Which I think is just music, right? <laughs> Yeah, probably. Yeah. So we're Did probably, you enjoy that music? We're probably just no. No, I mean, it, honestly, if it is just music, you should just like lay it underneath us talking right now, um, because otherwise that'll be really. Yeah, you're right. I don't think there's really any dialogue. Yeah. Um, and the music's really good. That's interesting. You call it a vampire movie. I didn't really think of that because. Uh, yeah. So let me explain that part. Um, so the origins of of like vampire stories. Um, they, it comes out of, you know, Vlad the Impaler, uh, but also some early, uh, Romanian stories of like Queens in that, or a queen in that area who would, uh, kidnap virgins and, uh, kill them and then bathe in their blood because she believed that by bathing in their blood, she would remain beautiful and young. Um, th- that's what this movie's about. Um, so, uh, the story of the neon demon is, uh, so it starts off. Elle Fanning plays this Jesse. Um, this yeah, this this model named Jesse who's just moved into LA. She's living in a hotel, and she's basically like she's doing this you know this this photo Bohemian. shoot. Oh, sorry. Uh, she's doing this this photo shoot where like uh, her neck is slit open and she's bleeding all over, but it's obvious it's fake. Um, and uh, <laughs> she when they're done. She she goes into like the the makeup room and she starts wiping all of this makeup off, all of this like fake blood off of her neck. Because um, at first you're like, well, I don't know, is this the end of the movie? You know, uh, is it foreshadowing? Which it is. Spoilers. We're gonna get into lots of spoilers here. Uh, and then Jenna Malone. So here's this actress who is covered in makeup. Jenna Malone plays the makeup artist. Am I staring? A little. Sorry. Just have such beautiful skin. I'm Ruby, by the way. Do you have a name or you want me to guess? Jesse. 
Jesse. Can you just get to LA, Jesse? How'd you know? You've got that look. Oh, don't worry, honey. That whole deer in the headlights thing is exactly what they want. Let me help you with that. Are you a model? No. I do makeup. Jenna Malone has never talked to the character before, so the dialogue in the scene is completely ass-backwards. Well, And the scene would be way better if it were Jenna Malone putting blood makeup on Elle Fanning. I guess, but also, I don't think she was the artist for this shoot. Like, she's but it, she's it, just there for something else. It creates this super awkward dialogue where Jenna Malone at one point, I don't, I think her name is Ruby. Ruby, yeah. Uh, yeah, she literally has the line, my name is Ruby, by the way. And it's like the first line she has in the in the movie. And it's just super awkward. And like that that scene, I was I was afraid. I just thought like, oh no. Like this is this is the same kind of shitty dialogue that was in Only God Forgives. I, I was terrified. Um but that's the only scene that I felt that way. Hmm. Uh because after that, like I, I felt like the dialogue got really good. Um and the man, like Elle Fanning's character is mostly portrayed by what she doesn't say um, and like what she like, you know, the times she chooses not to do certain things or how she chooses to behave. Um, I, I find her character really fascinating. Um, so then you, uh, she goes and she ends up befriending Jenna Malone and like going to this weird party uh, and meeting some, these two other models Um and like it gets all trippy and weird, and they watch this demon dance thing. Um, it's like this uh, BDSM performance or something. Yeah, it's like a weird BDSM like floating woman performance. Uh, but the music's all really cool, so who cares? In the in the lighting, like it's because it's doing this flicker thing, so you're only seeing like a couple frames of what's going on. Yeah. So it's very striking. And I have to think that he, I, it's weird because in that scene, that scene goes on for a while. And there's not a lot happening, but I was thinking about like how it was shot because it looks really good. And I have to think it, it's not a real strobe light. I think he shot it. He, he filmed it in complete light and then just dropped out frames mm-hmm. to create the strobe effect because uh, it's also a little inconsistent in a weird way. Um, but it's, it's a really cool sequence. Um, but basically, she starts befriending these, these, these models, and you learn that she's actually very meek. Um, she's very quiet. Uh, her, her, like her family is dead and she's moved out there just to, cause she's, uh, she's been told she's pretty. Yeah. Everybody tells her that she's very beautiful, in small town. but she's not, she doesn't think she's very smart. She's only, turns out she's only 16. Um, uh, so she's not out of high school yet. She just doesn't feel like she can do anything else, but she can use her beauty to, uh, make Get money. Ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and these other models are, are established models. Um, Jenna Malone, it's not clear, like, maybe she was a model, um, but now she's a makeup artist. And uh, there's this really great scene where they talk about how how lipsticks are all named after either sex or food, uh, which is really important, but I didn't realize that until a day after <laughs> I saw the movie. Um, and 
anyway, so the the movie sort of tracks her story as she starts becoming famous, and basically everything she tries to do, you know, when she goes into a modeling agency, like they sign her right away. Like everything she tries to do, she just gets it easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're setting this up this idea that she's just naturally more beautiful than every, anybody everybody else. Uh, the other models talk about like getting surgery and that kind of stuff, and she never needs it. Like everybody just treats her like she's made of gold. Um, and, uh, anyway, <laughs> man, it's, it starts to become hard to explain what the plot of this movie is. Like it's a, it's a lot of vignettes of like, so yeah. she goes on a date with the photographer from the first scene. Oh yeah. Um, right. and he's like this super nice guy. It turns out. Yeah. Um, too nice. Yeah. Um, and so she takes advantage of him in ways oh, like right, the fucking cougar. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Keep, keep going. I, and I then just... there's another scene where she goes, like she does her first nude shoot like unintentionally yes. and yeah. Ruby tries to stop her. Um, well, because it, it feels like she's getting taken advantage of. Like right. you think, and, and but that's I mean, the you cool know part is 16. like, I'm sitting there thinking like, Oh, well this is going to lead to him raping her or something. Right. But it turns out it's just like, he's such like an eccentric fucking yeah. photographer. Right. That, um, he ends up just like, yeah, she's nude, but he's just, he's just, it's just to get like this creativity out or something. Yeah, so he wipes yeah. her down with like gold paint and stuff. And, right. And, like, it is bizarrely, like, sensual, considering that she's 16. 16 yeah. But, A, he doesn't know that, because she, she tells him he's ni- she's 19. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, like, it's just, it's a little weird, but you're right. Like, you, you end up it feeling It doesn't go like, where you thought it was going to go. Yeah, you end up feeling like, oh, no, this guy is actually, like, using her body to create his art. And, like, that's the way he clearly sees it. Yeah. Um, and so, which like... Is, which adds a weird layer to this, because it's almost like the models themselves don't understand the thing they're a part of, right? Like, they understand the beauty, but, like, here's this guy who really is an artist, and the tools he's using aren't smart enough to understand the art, which is why they end up doing terrible things, you know. Um, so, so Then she one, comes home and there's a cougar. Right, yes. So <laughs> then apartment. there's a scene. So, uh, so she she lives in Keanu Reeves's uh, hotel. Yeah, Keanu Reeves is um, in the movie. Yeah, and he smokes a lot of cigarettes. He's, and, a, he's a shitty landlord. Yeah, he's a terrible human being. Uh, and in the movie, I'm sure Keanu Reeves is a nice guy, unless you unplug him from the Matrix. So uh, she comes home and like she hears a noise in her room and she opens the door and something moves. And she's like, what the fuck is that? Like, is there a vagrant in my room? She goes and Keanu Reeves gets his, his dude with a baseball bat and they go, both go up there and there's a fucking cougar. Like she left the door open and a cougar... Her backsliding door. Yeah. Yeah. And he's super pissed because he's like, well, now you left the door open and now this cougar is ruined this hotel room. Um, which he honestly is only doing because he clearly just wants to exploit people. He just wants to extort money out of her. Right, yeah. Um, so then the boyfriend like ends up being nice and giving him money or whatever. Um, so she's gradually getting more famous and then there's, so the sequence I have a problem with is, uh, there's a part earlier where she's, man, where is she? Uh, she's like at a show or something like that. And, oh no, no, she comes back after, uh, oh, so she, after she gets cast, uh, in that one guy's show, she runs into the girl who breaks the mirror, right? And she cuts her hand. Uh, and so when she goes home, she's like super anemic. She sneaks into the house. She's super anemic. Um, I think she calls the boyfriend over for help or something like that. And she passes out on the floor. And when she does, like you get this weird vision of this upside down, uh, like Triforce from Zelda. Yeah. Uh, and that's important cause that comes back. So the, uh, and there, well, I don't want to skip over that scene cause it's really good. The scene where, she, where she beats this other woman, you know, who's the been girl a model, from, uh, Mad Max, Fury Road. 
Oh, is she uh, one Abby of those Lee. people? Yeah, she's one oh, of the, okay. the wives. I knew she was familiar. Yeah. Um, so she's like an established model, and uh, they were up for this audition with this high-profile uh, runway guy, fashion right. guy, and uh, Mad Max girl. She auditioned first yeah. and was brushed off. Like yeah. the guy, guy didn't even look d- at her. Doesn't even look at her. Look at her. He's like he's like folding his 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 uh, pocket square. Yeah. You know. And then Jesse steps up and like. All attention is paid to her. Yeah. Signs instantly. Right. Um, and then... So Abby Lee goes into the bathroom afterwards and, like, yeah. throws something at the mirror and breaks it, and she's just sitting there, like, crying. And Elle Fanning comes in, and they have this really great conversation about, like, you know, I mean, they, they, they could only be a few years apart, right? Like, she's 16. Abby Lee is maybe 24 in the in the movie. like 22? At the most, yeah. yeah. 20? Um, yeah. In this and, world? Right. Yeah. And, um, but, like, she's on the way out, and, like, she it's just, she's so defeated. Um, and it's a really great little sequence. I thought you did great. Don't do that. Pretend that you don't know. People see you. They notice. Do you know how lucky you are? I'm a ghost. What's it feel like? What do you mean? To walk into a room and it's like in the middle of winter, you're the sun. It's everything. Uh, because you, you don't feel like Elle Fanning's not doing anything malicious. Like, she's not trying to be mean about this, you know? It's just the way that this the stuff The luck works. of the draw. Yeah, like, yeah. she just has this thing that, that allows her to do this. Um, and so she goes home. Uh, blah, blah, blah. anyway, skip forward. Sorry, what's I'm trying to remember a movie where like a big part of it was like aging out, kids aging out. Oh, uh, Hook. No. no, I'm just kidding. Um, oh, Dark Knight Rises. Sorry, that's that's what I kept thinking of. Um, when do kids age out in Dark Knight Rises? The orphanage in Dark Knight Rises. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. That happens. I guess I need to go watch that movie again. Yeah, he comes from an orphanage. That's why, and that's how he knows Bruce Wayne is Batman because, as an orphan too. Oh yeah. He can recognize, but sure. a lot of the kids he's talking to and interviewing about Bane, he's always like, um, they're, or he talks to like the orphanage one, the old man guy. Yeah. He's like, you know, we can't keep them here. Like eventually they age out. Like we can't keep adults right. here. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So that okay. was in my yeah. head is like these models like eventually they age out yes yeah 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 sorry um no it's all good um tangent so uh there's a scene later where like she's getting really famous uh she's getting like too famous to even hang out with the boyfriend and there's this sequence where i think it's actually when she goes and does that show oh because she gets chosen to like finish the show right and then it goes super psychedelic and so the the upside down falling in love with herself yeah Yeah. so the upside down triforce shows up again and and it becomes I thought like even when when it showed up the first time I was like okay the movie is called the Neon Demon so going into this I have this like this this theme about possession and all of that stuff in my head so I was like okay when it came back I was like okay this thing is like your your visualization of like her being possessed by by self love 
because uh, then like there's these mirrors and she starts kissing herself in the mirrors and stuff like that, and it just goes on for a while. And that was the, that was the one point in the movie where, you know, I feel like her character is so well established in these these tiny little moments and these these subtle things that Elle Fanning does in the performance that then to have this heavy-handed sequence where it's like, okay, we get it. This is the part where she gets possessed by the fact that she's in love with herself and. And like now she's and she becomes like this red like now now she's red faced like she's like this red light hits her so that she's like evil version yeah, of her she's crossed over yeah, yeah and I was just like oh okay I man we get it um, I, was, I was fine with it it was arty yeah but that's that's my point is like I already knew that was happening in the movie your your getting arty got in the way of that moment you know um, and then then what happens also the, the scene before that where they're in the restaurant. And they're trying to hang out with the fashion guy in his group. Yeah. Um, I thought there was a really good statement oh, made yes. about like, so she's with her boyfriend. Yes. Oh, um, and so she's good. gotten really, I mean, this is after. I think it's, it's after that. Yeah. Because yeah. she's in that, she's in that dress that she. Yeah. She's in the headspace of like, she's special and she's yeah. uh, the greatest thing ever now. And she's with him. And uh, the, the fashion guy is talking about how like, how like beauty really is what it's controls a, everything. Yeah. It's a currency that buys you anything. And yeah. Yeah. And then the boyfriend stands up and says, like, no, she's more than that. Right. Um, and then he brings up, like, well, if she wasn't pretty, would you still be paying attention to yeah, her right would now? You, would you even have stopped to look? Yeah. Right? You're like, so good at remembering these things. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> line for line. It's because I really loved that, that, that part of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, because what he's, what he's saying is, you know, the, the boyfriend is, like, starting to pitch the nice guy argument of, no, like, I really love her because of who she is and, like, what she's, what, who she is on the inside. Um because he's even so nice, like, when he finds out she's 16, like, he almost doesn't want to have anything to do with her, because yeah. he's like, this is a little weird, uh, but I guess he does it anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's um, like, uh, I still want to get laid, so... Yeah, I'll like, you're pretty, really yeah. pretty, um, and I feel like you're good for my career. And, uh, and yeah, so that in that scene where the guy just, like, smacks him down, is like, you wouldn't have even looked at her to know that she was a good person on the inside if she wasn't this beautiful. Dean... We're having a little debate over here, and we need your expertise. Okay. You know Gigi, right? Well, I mean, we just met. Wait, 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 will you stand up so that he can take a look at you? Go on, stand up. Well? Well, what? What do you think? You think she's beautiful? I don't know, I mean, yeah, I guess she's fine. Yes, yes, that's exactly the word that I was looking for. She's fine, right? You can sit down now, thanks. Thank you, Dean. Now, look at Jesse. Nothing fake, nothing false. A diamond in a sea of glass. True beauty is the highest currency we have. Now, without it, she would be nothing. I think you're wrong. Excuse me? I said I think you're wrong. Well, so are you going to tell me that it's what's inside that counts? Yeah, that's exactly what I think. Well, I think that if she wasn't beautiful, you wouldn't have even stopped to look. Uh, and it's just 
damning. And then she tells him to go. Yeah, and then yeah. she tells him, he, he's and he's uncomfortable, and she tells him, like, all right, you can leave. Um, so then she goes home, and so it gets a little <laughs> weird. So she yeah. goes home, and she has she lays down on the bed, and and it's almost like this weird sequence where you think, like, is she enticing Keanu Reeves to come and rape her? Because there's been this setup where, like, there's a 13-year-old girl in the room next to her, next to her that he, he, he says, like, oh, it's a total Lolita, Lolita thing. Like, she's so pretty. Yeah. And we, like, we, this we, is creepy. Yeah. We, when Keanu Reeves is, like, arguing with the boyfriend over the, how much money she owes for the damaged room. Yeah. He's making cracks about, like, yeah, there's this other girl up there, too, if you want. Right. Um, so there's this weird, like, scene where she has a nightmare about him coming to rape her. And then she puts wakes... a knife in her mouth. Yeah, it's really fucked up. <laughs> like it's super just dis- like that's the first moment where the movie starts to get disturbing. Yeah. Um, like unsettling in a violent way. And how old is actual Elle Fanning? Uh, for some of these scenes, she's eighteen. Okay. Actually, when the movie is shot, she's seventeen. Okay. Um, because I looked it up, like she turned eighteen in. Because I was curious, I was like, is she actually that age? Yeah. Um, and I guess she turned eighteen, and I don't know the Q one of this year or something like that. So when they filmed the movie, she would have been seventeen. Okay, I was trying to like um, Super Eight was two thousand eleven, and she was really like ten. Young. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she's deep throating this knife. Yeah, it's super awkward. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then uh, so she wakes up, and Keanu Reeves is raping and maybe killing the girl next door. Well, he's jiggling her door handle. Yeah. First, he does try to break in, and then she locks the door. Yes. And then he goes next door, and she listens as he rapes and maybe kills this girl. Uh, and then she calls Jenna Malone, and and the third act starts. Um, I feel bad that we're describing all of this movie, but like it's so bizarre that I don't know how else to go to you talk about really why I love this movie it. unless I go through every part of it. So Jenna Malone invites her over to her giant Transylvanian-style house. She house sits. Sure, she does. <laughs> Um, where there's lots of like stuffed wolves and bobcats all over the place. And, uh, oh, I've skipped over a very important part. There's a, there's a moment where you find out that, uh, oh no, it's, it's in this scene. So, so Jenna Malone starts hitting on her earlier. Well, she has been. Yeah, a little bit, but, but there's a scene earlier where like they ask her about whether or not she's, she's having sex with anybody and she sort of is coy about it in a way that makes you think like maybe she's just a virgin. And so later in, there's this scene where Jenna Malone starts hitting on her and she repels her and says like, well, no, like I didn't answer the question because I'm, I'm a virgin and like, uh, you know, uh, and at that point I was like, oh fuck, like you, this is not going to end well. Um, Jenna Malone throws herself on her, like starts making out with her. Elle Fanning pushes her to the ground and you're like, oh no, like this is all going to go very poorly. And Jenna Malone does not like that. No. So Jenna Malone goes and has sex with a dead body. Uh, Oh, when she's not house sitting and being a makeup artist, she's also working, doing cosmetics at a morgue. Uh Uh-huh. So as soon as we cut to the morgue, I was like, fuck you. Like this is not what's going to happen. Like you're not going to do this. And it's this, I mean, it is, the, the whole, the, the way that this movie is written and it's the, the sort of, the pacing of the movie is so deliberate that when the scene starts, you are trapped in this sequence where you're just like, how long is, how long do I have to endure this? How long do I have to watch um, Ruby make out with a naked woman? 
as soon as she She's like dead. you see her, you the body is covered, and you just watch her start walking over to the door, close the door and lock it, and you're just going, Oh my goodness. She's and it violate goes, this corpse. It goes for a while. Uh it's super creepy and disgusting. And that's like at that point, like you know who the villains are, and shit starts going wrong real fast. Um Elle Fanning is very in love with herself, uh, and we'll we'll skip to the end, but the other models uh, push her into, chase her around this house for a while, uh, push her into the, the, the pool and kill her. And then you just cut empty to, pool. yeah, the empty pool. Yeah. Uh, and kill her. And then you cut to the, the two models, um, taking a shower in Elle Fanning's blood and Jenna Malone is just, or they're, they're taking a shower after they've bathed in her blood. And Jenna Malone is like creepily laying in this bathtub full of blood, just like staring at these women in the shower, for a long time and it's really disturbing and i thought oh man this is an amazing vampire movie this is really good uh this was this was a good job nicholas winding ref and you made some good characters now that we're clearly at the end credits like because you can't top this but the credits didn't roll <laughs> uh and i was super confused like i genuinely remember thinking to myself like oh no you're gonna fuck it up like you've made this really interesting movie that that yeah that you know it, it thinks about um, uh, beauty and, and youth and all of these fascinating things and builds these amazing characters and I'm I'm totally sold. Why are you fucking it up? You should have just ended on Jenna Malone in the bathtub. What are you doing? So, uh, then you you see Jenna and this is one of the things that confuses me. So if you understand this, please explain. Uh, or if you're listening and you understand this, write in and explain to me what this is. Uh, so Jenna Malone like gets naked and climbs into a. She's like she lays on the floor in front of the moon because she's a vampire, um, and she's a thousand years old, living in an old vampire house, and she worships the moon, and she's a wolf, just like all the stuffed wolves that are all over the place. She's a fucking vampire. She's a vampire, and she lays naked in front of the moon, and she either pees all over the house or blood just flows out of her or something. I think it's symbolism. I don't know. What what is that shot? Yeah, I don't know. So that's the other weird shot. I'm in the trying movie, to like that... excreting, like giving life to something. Like it's like blood pours out of her vagina. I couldn't tell if it was blood or just like. I guess it would have to be blood. It could be urine. Like it has to be. It's with so the dark. Context of the movie, like yeah, yeah, the it shot is be, really dark. It'd make more sense if it was blood. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just. A, I think it's just symbolism. Like rebirth um, of something. Maybe. Yeah, uh, but that's not the fucked up part. So. Well, <laughs> it's one of many. <laughs> so. Uh, but that's where we leave Jenna Malone. So then the other two models the next day go to, um, another photo shoot, go to a photo shoot with that same artist dude, right? Yeah. The gold painter guy. And I see him and I'm like, Oh, cool. Great. Uh, and there's this interesting conversation again. There's an interesting conversation about modeling and, and you know, what beauty is worth and all this stuff and, and, you know, people aging out like you were saying. Um, and then like they're doing this photo shoot and one of them just starts getting sick and I was like, what the shit? And you think, like, she's just, like, she's just disgusted with herself and what they've done. Right. And she runs into the house, and then the other model who, you know, is also one of these vampire ladies follows her. After uh, she takes a while. Yeah, because like she's she... been gone for a while, and the artist dude is fucked up and or is pissed. And uh, I, I, is there even anything worth, like, me actually saying this? At this point, I'm just explaining the whole movie. We've talked about the whole movie. Just go for it. Okay, so she... She she vomits up an eyeball, and you realize that they didn't just bathe in her blood; they fucking ate yeah, her. Yeah. 
and oh, and then she's and the, she's like, I need to get her out of me, and she stabs herself and kills herself. Yeah, cuts herself open. And at that point, I immediately knew what I wanted to happen, and it's exactly what happens next, which is that the other terrible vampire lady picks up the eyeball and eats it and walks away. It continues on with her essence. And the credits roll. And I was like, this is so fucked up and insane and amazing. And, like, I'm fascinated with these characters. I, I, I genuinely have thought about it every day since I, since I saw it. Right. And, like, I keep finding little... Because, yes, I've explained a lot of stuff, but there are so many little symbols and and scenes and lines of dialogue in the movie that are, you know, even the opening shot of her dead and Jenna, like, that's why I, I would argue that Jenna Malone putting the makeup onto Elle Fanning at the beginning would be a way more interesting opening shot, especially once you've seen the movie once. Um, but all these amazing sequences throughout the movie uh, and then couple that with the fact that we haven't talked to, or I haven't talked at all about how beautiful the movie is. Like it is so well shot. Yeah. You yeah. did. No. Uh, yeah. Um, it's so well shot and yeah. the music is amazing. Literally like I'd say 95% of the shots are just like all framed and set up to be like a gorgeous yes. art installation. And they're all with the exception of the ones where he's being really ham fisted. They usually all have great symbolism and like the way he's compositing the shots says something about the characters in a, in a neat way. Uh, it's just gorgeous. Like every one of them could be the back the background on your laptop, right? Like if you had to pick promotional stills are. for the movie, like for marketing, terrible like, job. You, you could just keep going, like, oh, right. Like I have a hundred of these. What do I? I have to go through every one? still of this movie. They all look um, great. Which ones do you pick? Uh, six. I can't. Yeah, they're just they're gorgeous, and they're set to the music really well. So like the way he paces it. Uh, and then like sets shots to the music or, or the music to the shots. Did but, you download yeah. the soundtrack after we watched yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. yeah. I've got the soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. It's really good. Um, it's yeah. arguably better than the drive soundtrack. I, I mean, it's, I, you know, it doesn't have any poppy music. It doesn't have the real human being. Yeah. Song. <laughs> uh, but the rest of it sounds like the rest of the drive score. Um, yeah. And that like, there's like, I don't know, I call it the glitter sound. Like there's these tracks where it just has like this. Like in the trailer, the glitter that falls like on the models, yeah. Like it is I equate it with the sound like that recurs throughout like a lot of the movie. Yeah. It's like this sprinkly, very ethereal sound to it, which is like haunting. Yeah. It's really great. I love thinking about like, so so the the the, the lipstick scene is is the, you know the the sort of, uh, it it dovetails with the scene where Jenna Malone you know tries to rape her. Uh, because if if Jenna Malone has sex with her and she's not a virgin, they don't kill her. So she becomes either food or sex. Like that is the oh. that is the purpose she serves in the movie, and why, like it's why Jenna Malone protects her up until that point. Because she thinks like I'm gonna have sex with you, and then when I can't have sex with you, I'm just going to eat you. Hmm. And it's so fucked up. And I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, this movie's amazing. <laughs> Um, and I did not expect to like this. Like I genuinely, I mean, Dan will tell you when I texted him, uh, cause it was a last minute choice to go see it. And I was like, well, I'm not inviting Dan cause I have to get there right now. Like, so I can't pick him up on the way. Um, but I also knew he didn't want, he probably didn't want to see the movie. So I just texted him going to see a bad movie. Like I, I assumed going into this, like, all right, I'm not going to like it, but you know, I'm going to try to like the art of it and like try to find whatever other people see in it. I don't understand how anyone walks out of this movie unless you are disgusted at the end. Like, yeah. Uh, Wednesday, well, 4, 19 PM, seeing a bad movie at 5 PM. Done. Like, <laughs> that's it. So. Right. Well, 
so we were both the only people in our theaters for our yes. screenings, by the way. Yeah, none of... Neither. But I will concede that it is very slow and unconventional. Like, I can see mass audiences completely rejecting this. Sure. And I was, I was, and I was like, I like this, but I know I'm going to go to Real Nerds this week and be, like, the only one who saw it and try to relate to it, and everyone's going to tune out because it's so bizarre. So I was really afraid, uh, I, but I'm glad someone else... It sounds fascinating. Enjoyed it. I was super excited for. How you doing, Dan? <laughs> right, I know. You've been over there I'm for sorry a while. You sat here for like forty minutes listening <laughs> two to movies us. You didn't watch. Explain two movies you haven't seen. I I, I had some time to check at work emails. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, I mean, both of them to me feel like movies where, you know, usually it, we don't review a movie this way. Yeah. But, it, but Ryan's BFG, not here, so it's easier. <laughs> well, yeah. Take that, Ryan. Well, but Just with kidding. the with the BFG explaining why it doesn't work. I feel like I have to explain what the movie is, like all of the parts of the movie and why they don't fit together. And also, too, like with BFG, like it's something you can understand without watching it. Like you can tell someone yes. what's going on and what's wrong with it right. without seeing it. The Neon Demon is so visually necessary. Like, I want to see it now. Yeah. Like, like after hearing people talk about it. And... It's like a lot of the appeal so. is the visuals. Like, because the story is not deep. Yeah. Like, it's just what they don't do in connection to what, what you're seeing is like, you have to turn your brain and figure it out. Like James figured out the, the lipstick stuff. And it didn't even occur to me that those, I didn't figure it out until two days later. Yeah. I mean, which maybe I'm stupid, but like, no, it's, it's definitely yeah. meant to be like, uh, it's just because I, I keep thinking about the movie. I don't know if I read its interview where like Nicholas Wendy Griffin was talking about like, um, you know, why does this movie have to make sense at all? Like I just made my art, and here it is, and you can decipher whatever you want from it. Well, so, so it's I mean, like one of those movies where. But my my argument against that is, at least for me, and I, I'm I'm not every moviegoer, but for me, I go to movies and I read books because I love story and story is character. So if you don't at least set up characters that I'm interested in, um, even on the surface, right? They they're not all the same, right? I I like Don Draper. I like. Francis McDormand and Fargo, like, you know, wildly different characters. Um, I just have to have a human element to the story to grip onto. And God, mm. Only God Forgives doesn't have that for me. Only God Forgives is a sequence of shots with some terrible dialogue and some empty characters along the way. And so while I understand the argument of like, well, I don't need it to make sense, and I agree with that, well, I'm saying he put to... it in there, but he's like, yeah. whatever you take from it is up to you. Like, right. I'm not trying to tell you what you should enjoy of the movie. Yeah. I just did it. Right. And you have to accept it or not. And I, I 100% agree with that, as long as there is that human element in there for me to even connect with. Yeah. If it's just art, like if you took out the, if you took out all of Jenna Malone and Elle Fanning's dialogue in this movie, you would have a similarly art you would have a a similarly artistic movie like oh, here's a bunch of beautiful shots that theoretically a, a person could piece together this story into um but i wouldn't connect with the characters the way that i do and that would leave me very cold it, it's like looking at a painting and going like okay i get it like you smeared shit all over the canvas and like i guess that's artistic and you you know like or even you you painted something that's kind of pretty and it's cubist right it's picasso and i'm looking at it and i'm like okay i get that like talent went into this but i don't connect with it on a human level so what do i take with me and this is not that like this has some really core stuff to it and these characters that i do care about and i'm interested in um and that ties to this greater narrative where i feel like you know art art is is additive 
everybody who is making art now is building on the art that they, they came before them. And this is art that is 100% building on, I mean, thousands of years of art, which is me being really hyperbolic, but especially in the context of, you know, talking about it as a vampire movie, I'm saying like you took, and there is no way in my mind that he didn't know that there's, there are too many symbols in this movie. There's too much going on. The whole conversation about the moon, because I, I didn't talk about that, but this whole conversation about the moon watching you. Oh, yeah, I like, forgot about that. All of that stuff ties into old vampire lore. Like, that's what this movie is. Um, there's no way he didn't know that going in. And I'm not saying that's what you have to get out of it. I'm just saying he's building on all of this cultural, these cultural building blocks in the way that great art does. Um is it a movie for everyone? No. Like I told my parents, don't ever go see this movie. Like, and, and my mom will listen to this podcast. And at this point she's like, why do you like this? You just explain that there's like a half dead lesbian sex scene. And like, uh, you said the word vagina and I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> like my mom has driven her car off of the highway. Like it's awful. Um, but I love this movie. Like this is probably the closest this year that a, a real horror movie will get to my list. Um, like this is probably that one because uh, I think it's really good. Yeah. So hmm. it's interesting you said uh, like you didn't like Only God Forgives because like it had empty hollow characters. that were an interesting. Um, I mean, but a, yeah, and I didn't enjoy it either. I thought it was boring as hell. <laughs> um, but thinking about like okay, the tiles Only God Forgives, like it seems like it's supposed to be about these. <laughs> awful uninteresting characters so it's like maybe that's on purpose uh, yeah the result that t- we took away was like yeah we enjoy this but maybe like yeah i mean maybe yeah that was what he was going for exactly yeah i i, I can totally see that i mean then it's then it's in that realm of like a season two of true true detective where it's like okay yeah great you you filled a whole movie full of like completely piece of shit characters that i don't want to root for yeah um and I, yeah, there's there is definitely some value in that. I, it's just not. I guess that's just not for me. But he's definitely not um, doing things arbitrary. I don't know if you ever saw that documentary his wife made. I talked no, about it. No, no, I didn't. Um, I forget what it's called, but yeah, his wife filmed him while he was making Only God Forgives. Oh, and just like all the right. stress he had of like, everyone wants me to follow Drive. I don't want to do Drive again. I'm sure. making this movie, and if you don't want to do Drive again, don't cast Ryan yeah. Gosling in your movie. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. Or, uh, he did something else before that, right? Though Drive and then uh, the Pusher trilogy. No, um, uh, between his? I think something between Drive and and Bronson. No, Drive and uh, Only God Forgives. Oh, oh, I didn't think so. I thought that, that no, was maybe his... yeah. I guess maybe you're right. Anyway, but in, in making Only God Forgives, he's like, I don't want to drive again, but I also don't know what I want to do. Yeah. So he's sitting there just like, like just kind of grabbing every like last grasp of artistic motivation he has towards finishing this film that he just like, I had an idea, um, but I don't know where it's going. I'm just hoping it finds itself. Yeah. So he does kind of have that sensibility of like, sometimes I just slap things together. Yeah. But I mean, now you describe the vampire stuff, like unless that's a complete fluke, that's very, it's not a fluke. It can't be the moon, the stuffed wolves, (laughs) People eating people. I wish Kendall and Steve were here to talk yeah, about I know. Like, what is I, the meaning of like that scene. I, I know. Well, I did. I did specifically ask Kendall, like, do you understand what comes out of Jenna Malone? 
I don't, I don't get what comes out of Jeff. And she was like, no, I think it's symbolism. I'm not sure. But I was confused, too. And I was like, oh, good. I'm not the only one. It's like the, the most awkward, like, parent-child sex talk. <laughs> right? do, do you, yeah. Do, honey, do you understand? <laughs> do you understand what comes out of Jen Malone? Yeah. Um, Maybe she's yeah. just getting, like, feral. Like, she's just... I, I wish she just turned into a wolf in that scene. Like, that would have been great. Because uh, she's a thousand-year-old vampire. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, it's uh, it's really good. People should people should see that movie, but not all people, just some people. Um, so uh, next week we're gonna go see the Secret Life of Pets. Um, I guess you guys are. <laughs> no, uh, we could go see. The, next week is terrible. What's Captain Fantastic? Oh, oh, we could go see Captain Fantastic. What's Captain Fantastic? Captain Fantastic is the movie where um, uh, Vigo Vigo Mortenstern. And his his kids, Vigo lives in the woods with his kids, and then his his Vigo. family. Vigo, Vigo, from Ghostbusters too. Uh, and then his family is like, "Hey, you live out in the woods. Like that's not cool. Like come into the or come to the rest of us. It's a comedy. Come back to society. <coughs> no, it's totally like a drama because they try to steal his kids from him. I don't know. It looks better than the Secret Life of Pets. It's only two things? Uh, no, there's also Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, which oh. is a terrible title. It, that might be funny. It's got Anna Kendrick in it, so maybe we'll see that. I guess it's up to Ryan. We could also um, see Swiss Army Man. Uh, we could see Swiss Army Man and The Shallows. You want to see The Shallows? See The Shallows with me. So basically what we're saying is next week will just be a mishmash of whatever we can get to. Yeah, seriously. It'll um, probably be a mess. Yeah. A bunch of different movies. A uh, quick footnote. Uh, this week, uh, Nicholas Finding Reference said he wants to make a Batgirl movie. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, I don't think you should do that. <laughs> DC is struggling. Yeah, um, only, I, I would only, love only... to see his background movie, yeah. but it's not what DC needs right now. Only if he gets Final Cut. Yeah, if he if he makes his Neon Demon version of the background <laughs> movie, L Fanning as Batgirl. Um, I want Dude. to see that. I want to see it, yeah. but it's not going to fit with the DC universe. And then Jenna Malone could be Robin. She's already in. Well, yeah, but she's not. Ro- she's not Robin in that right. movie. But yeah, um, yeah. Also, can I, I? I also want to say this is the best Jenna Malone has ever been. I usually find Jenna Malone kind of like like not very good, hmm. like kind of disappointing. And this movie, I was like, awesome. You you pulled this off for me. Like I've only seen her in art stuff other than well, the Don- Hunger Games. Uh, Donnie Darko. She's she's the romantic interest in Donnie Darko. Yeah, um, wasn't memorable. And she's fine, but she's not I like. I, I liked her in other stuff. That's all I'm saying. Okay. And Donnie Darko is not like on one of my top movies ever. I feel, I usually feel like every movie she's in, she says a line about as equally bad as "My name is Ruby, by the way," <laughs> which is is something that no human being has ever genuinely said to another. Oh, my name is James, by the way. What? Maybe that's how they talk in L.A. Ugh. Anyway. It's a weird scene. Uh, long episode. Next week, we'll go see a movie, and we'll talk about it. Yeah. We'll uh, describe it. Scene we'll, scene. See, we'll, t- <laughs> <laughs> we'll describe Mike and Dave need wedding dates scene, shot for shot. Yeah, and then, and then the next joke is... We're doing a new format here at Real Nerds from now on, is where we break down very specifically and then the Char- movies. And then Tarzan swings on a rope from the right to the left. And then he swings on the rope from the left to the right. And that symbolizes his ambiguous sexuality where he's constantly swinging back and forth. I really, yeah, I want to think about ambiguous sexuality (laughs) some more. We got to end the show. 
Uh, yeah, Dan, thanks for coming and sitting through this. Yeah, yeah thanks for listening to our thanks, and thanks watching all of Voyager. Happy so. to be here. Do you have cool. any thoughts about what we talked about? Uh, yeah, I want, I, like I want to go track down and see Neon Demon in whatever, yeah. whatever capacity, whether I, I do that now in the theater or when it's available. Yeah, I hope it's still in theaters. I don't think it is. No, oh no. Like my showing was like the last showing around town. It, yeah. It's it's in Westminster, uh, but maybe it'll be on like video on demand soon. What's well, on? It's from Amazon Studios. It should be on Amazon right now, actually. Oh, that's right. That's true. Yeah, I bet it'll be on really quick. Really? Um, yeah, huh. yeah, it's from Amazon Studios. Well, like, you can get weirded out in your own home. Good, 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 good. Yeah, right. I, mean, I, I do that all the time anyway, so um, it's just be even better. Yeah, and people should watch uh, people should watch Preacher because honestly, there's more fucked up shit in Neon Demon than there is in Preacher at this point. So, uh, except for you, mom, don't watch Preacher. So anyway, thanks. Real Nerds is a Nebulous Visions multimedia production. We would also like to thank Sparks Mandrill for our music. Additional music from Ben Sounds. Thank you to Alamo Drafthouse. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. And thank you for listening to the Real Nerds Podcast.